Hey folks, we're back after the final episode of Season 5. Here to answer questions and wrap up what was a very epic season full of lots of debates. I've never seen social media behave quite like this from anything. It's almost like, almost reminds me of heated political debates the way things have gone this season for some people. It's really something, Game of Thrones is really something that people take really personally, take it very seriously, and... Well, that it is what it is. That It shows just how powerful it is that people can take it to heart so much. And, well, we've got a lot to discuss. This episode had scenes from every location just about. And, of course, as you all know, we're live here. We're, we're going to be answering a lot of questions. We're going to be particularly focused on the questions today. And we're going to do a wrap-up episode, so we'll be doing one more episode for show-only folks. And that'll be next week. We'll be doing more questions and looking at the season as a whole rather than episodes individually. So, like I said, a lot to talk about. So let's get moving. First of all, it's interesting. Are you going to look at all the things that happened in this last episode? A lot of cliffhangers, a lot of bodies. <laughs> uh, things went wrong for almost everyone. Some ended on neutral notes. A few haven't learned things that once they learn them, they're going to be mad or sad or both. The list of people who are dead or probably dead is, is just really long now. <laughs> so It was got, short before. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. so welcome again, everybody, to another episode of History of Westeros podcast, podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones, which, of course, is our focus today. HBO's Game of Thrones hitting us hard again, moving really quickly, and being epic all along the way. Good to have you back, Sean, for this final episode of the season, but of course we'll have you back as well for the wrap-up episode I was speaking of a moment ago. So, um, do you have Don't confuse some... that. It's not going to be like a finalizing episode. It's going to be where we wrap up <laughs> the whole content of That's the show. That's right. We're going to put the whole put a, <laughs> put wrapping paper around it all in a big, <laughs> a big bow. So, I meant no, like hip hop rap. You know. Oh, wrapping up on it. I see. We're gonna <laughs> we make our both. own. We're gonna make our own mixtape. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna go to Winterfell first, then the North, then King's Landing, then Dorne, then Bravos, then Marine, then the Dothraki Sea, and then the Wall. A quick review for those of you who don't know how the Q and A works. If you are watching live, you should see a Q&A button on the upper right there. And if you're on the event page, the Q&A button appears in the upper right of the video screen area. So if you click on that, you'll see the questions. You can see you can upvote them and you can ask your own question. So we will be responding to the questions with the most votes and try to get to even the ones that don't have a lot of votes, whatever we have time for. It's funny because from a book perspective, a lot of people talk about the fact that the, sh the season feels a little rushed. Even show viewers have, have commented that some of these things have gone by so fast, like important decisions and crucial moments have just kind of sped on by. And I, you know, I have sympathy for the showrunners with what they're working on. Uh, you know, I, I, I am one of the most critical about the rushing of certain things. But given how our own episodes have gone out, we're always rushing yeah. to answer all these yeah. questions and take care of everything and cover everything. I can understand the, how hard it is to fit everything in looking at it that way. You know, our own struggles to fit everything into an episode are difficult. So, I feel like the solution is it just should have 12 episodes per season or something. You know, I, I feel like that can't be that challenging or strain of a budget. Or I feel like once you already have contracts with the actors and locations and film crews set up, just add more footage. It doesn't seem like it, it seems like 12 more episodes would be less than 20% increase in cost. And, 
I don't know, but I feel like it's worth it. I feel like they get 20% more viewership, 20% more content, 20% more satisfaction, uh, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I don't know who yeah. to talk to about this, but someone <laughs> give me a number. And, uh... <laughs> uh, okay, so like I said, since there's so much to, to talk about, I'm not going to... We're not going to do a lot of preamble here. A little, a little talk about themes, though, real quick. Mother's Mercy was the name of the episode. We're like mothers <laughs> in need of mercy. Cersei is going to learn about Marcella pretty soon, and that's going to tear her apart. The, the mother of dragons is in peril herself. Selyse, well, she kind of gave herself her own mercy there. And I think it's safe to assume Sansa is a, a soon-to-be mother. Could be, although that, that fall might have uh, changed some things. We'll see. And there were some interesting things missing from this episode as well. As, many, as much as it covered so many things, we haven't seen Littlefinger in three yeah, episodes. Yeah. No Greyjoys all season. No Freys all season, even though Arya has Walder Frey on her list, which was reduced severely. So the fact that they kept him on there means he's got a... And revisited. Clearly revisited, too. So. Yeah, so he'll probably appear next season, I would guess. Uh, the Tyrells. We haven't seen them in a few episodes either, even though they're in prison. And they're Olenna's prison not in prison. Well, that's true. Olenna's not in prison. We haven't seen her either, so... <laughs> and we didn't see... We haven't really seen much of Tommen lately. We've kind of seen him... That he hasn't done anything. <laughs> and that we've heard that he's locked himself in his room, etc. But none of that. And, of course, no Bran this season, but we knew that. We knew that Bran... We knew that in advance. Um, so, let's go ahead and dive straight into Winterfell. We have Sansa using her all. We wondered what that would be used for. Maybe it would be used on Ramsay or Miranda or someone or even Reek. But it was used on a door lock. <laughs> so that was also a valid guess. And, and it seems like that was the winner there. <laughs> so if you had on a door in the what will Sansa use the tool for, you are the winner. Uh, were, you, were you surprised by anything in this scene? Was there anything that kind of shocked you about how... This scene was carried out? Yes, I would say two two things surprised me. One is, I've been saying for a long time, I think Reek is gone. That, she, that we shouldn't expect him to redeem himself or help Sansa or anything like that. So when he did, I was a little surprised by that. And then I'm surprised by like the ending there. Uh, ah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Sean. Here, looks like we have a question from C. Hollett. Chekhov's corkscrew, wasted as merely for picking locks. So that's kind of what we're talking about right now. <laughs> Yeah, it, I, that was one minor thought I had. I just chalked it up to like a an image thing, a style thing or something. But it did seem like she should have dropped it. It seemed like maybe you might have to get through another door at some point <laughs> on your way. Uh, and it that did seem like a reasonable weapon. But maybe it, they just wanted us to remind us of the moment, you know, when she picked it up, seeing it fall again. Uh, but uh, I'm a little bothered by them jumping off the side there. I would say surprised. <laughs> uh, I can see how maybe they both decided it's worth, uh, they'd rather die than live through this. You know what I mean? But uh, the, add to that, that, that's tough. And if that's the case, it seems like there might be some other way. They could at least like look around for some other corridor. It was pretty quick to be like, well, this is it. <laughs> you know, like, uh, well, I guess they were, they, Miranda's body is sitting right there, and the people, the horde, like, maybe they, they didn't expect the army to return right at that moment. A lot of, lot of things happening kind of in coincidence in, in these scenes. Certainly. Uh, part of the, the nature of, of having to cover so much books territory in such a short time. 
But, but something they did a couple times in this episode that bothered me a little bit and surprised me, I guess I'll say, and it, this is one of them. There's different types of cliffhangers. And usually I think Game of Thrones, the type of cliffhanger they have, and I think I'm going to say good shows, tend to have cliffhangers where a, a, a big moment will happen and it will cut, leaving you wondering, where's this going to go now? You know, how is this person going to get back home? Uh, how are they going to explain this to their wife? Well, you know, wh where is this storyline going to lead? You know, how are they going to get out of this trouble? Or how are they going to deal with this issue? Other cliffhangers are, is this person going to die three seconds from now? You know, some cliffhangers are like long-term things when you're shifting gears in a storyline and wondering how it's going to play out. And some cliffhangers are, what's going to happen in the next two to ten seconds? Is someone going to live or not? And Game of Thrones usually doesn't have that kind of cliffhanger. And they did it in this episode, in the final episode of a season, multiple times. So maybe that's just the nature of, like, catching up to the books or not catching up to the books. Or I don't know how to say that exactly. Uh, maybe there is more actually in the air for them that they may not actually even know as much. Uh, maybe viewers are committed enough at this point to put up with a cliffhanger of that nature. But it just seems like... They shouldn't live from this fall. It seems too far to fall in the live. We <laughs> Miranda just saw... fell from less height and died. Right. There is snow on the ground, which might help, but, but we know the that... weather changed and got right. warmer. So. Even that was a little bit of an issue because that occurred to me too. I was like, wait a minute, there shouldn't even be snow on the ground. It's all over the place. There's no <laughs> snow on the ground. Maybe there happens to be a drift of snow right at the base of the castle walls. It, that's normal. That's... that's normal enough for not but, um... for snow in the shadows to not melt as quickly. And it's against right. the base of a wall, but, you can see there'd be shadows there. And again, I'm, I'm not an expert on jumping off walls into but snow. But it wouldn't be but... thick snow. Right. Yeah. And or maybe it would be if it was water you could still break your back you know what i mean it's still a hard fall and it just seems like it's the type of thing where from a literary perspective from a filmmaking perspective there's no way they die does that make sense there's no way we start next season with him dead on the ground there's no way that that's what's going to happen which means it's not really even a cliffhanger. We know it's a not cliff jumping. Die. They jumped <laughs> yeah. off the cliff, <laughs> uh, and it and it makes it seem like they shouldn't make it require us to stretch our imaginations to believe that they could possibly live through here when we kind of know there's no way they're not going to die here. It's uh, maybe I'm being nitpicky, but uh, well, here's a related question to that, so you can we can kind of kill two birds with one stone here. From Dornish Dan, Bran's fall from a great height at Winterfell drastically changed his life. Will Sansa's fall have an equally traumatic slash dramatic change in her life's course, magic-wise? Possibly. Yeah, that's a interesting yeah. question. I mean, I hope it doesn't end. I hope it doesn't result in her also being crippled. And Theon carries her around. <laughs> she's going to need. Like Hodor. Yeah, yeah, she's going <laughs> to need her own giant to carry her around. But Theon's not so huge, so. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I suppose maybe she'll land on Theon and he'll die and her fall have been broken. But guess what? That doesn't work. If <laughs> You would still die. Landing on another person doesn't make you not have fallen all that distance. The laws of physics are still going to have that impact hitting you. Um, yeah. So it's hard to say whether... I, I don't think that she'll become magical like, like Bran has. But I do think that it's kind of a jump in a sense of her character like she's jumping into a new maybe into a new scenario a new yeah. life a new arc potentially which is something to additionally think about is now what all right we're right outside the castle walls everything's fine now <laughs> no you're <laughs> you're freezing you have no food do you even are you dressed for this weather 
aren't there freaking guards and armies all over the place? No one can like see you. There's no guards on the tower and the walls that can see the other side. It's well, here's a camouflage in the middle of this white snow in your black dress. Like <laughs> it's not over. They're not safe, even yeah. if they live through this fall. Well, here's a here's a related question to that. Where can from Darren Tucker, our Knight of the Forums and member of our Patreon Kings Guard. Where can Sansa and Theon go? Stannis's camp? Nope. Castle Black? Negative. Hopefully she runs into Brienne. Yeah, I guess. I guess that is her best bet, running into Brienne. I don't. There's not a whole lot of other people out there that that she would want to run into. She wouldn't want to run into any remnants of Stannis's <coughs> army, who are a lot of them are sellswords. They'd be looking to. She would be a way for them to get back in someone's good graces. She'd be like a a, a valuable hostage to sell, not someone to protect and help. Assuming people recognize her and believe her, right? Uh, and don't fear just being killed. Like say someone captured Sansa. And brought her to Ramsey. Is Ramsey like, oh, thanks, man. Uh, here's 50 gold pieces. See you later. <laughs> Ramsey's probably going to torture you to death just because. <laughs> okay. Alessandra might burn you. <laughs> like, how yeah. dare you mess with Sansa? <laughs> she has the blood of a da 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 da. Who knows? Yeah. You, you could be implicated in helping her escape, you know. Okay, Which another, maybe all that will happen to Brienne. That's know? true. Yeah. Another question, also from C. Hollett If Sansa survives, is she pregnant? Well, I, I've thought a lot personally about the, the ramifications of Sansa being pregnant, but it's really hard to say. I, I, I don't think that the show, if the show's only going to be two more seasons, I don't know that I see the narrative purpose of her being pregnant, especially if it's somehow carried to term. That would be interest, an interesting conflict for her, having this Bolton child in her, and it would be a bit of a good bit of conflict for herself having a child that born of a you know father that she loathes who is a terrible person from a family that helped eliminate her family so i i don't know i think i don't think she is but if she is it sure is going to be interesting but they just don't have time the reason i think she isn't probably because they don't have time for that plot line to resolve like this child can't be born. If it was, it would just stay a baby like Gillies. It wouldn't grow up at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens in winter. Babies don't grow up. Yeah. So it's um, it's uh, more efficient. You know, you don't use as much food. So. <laughs> Yeah, but I do wonder if that's what they're, they were going with this, if they're going to have her become pregnant. But then if she escapes and, and turns out to be pregnant, I, yeah, I don't know. I've been assuming she's pregnant. I feel like that's I, – I feel like they have been – I think that's part of the reason they showed Ramsey take her on the wedding night. Yeah. And, it's, and they, she's even said he visits me every night. And we know that's why that he wants to him and Bruce's plan is to have her have a baby. That was sort of an expectation of Tyrion when he married Sansa to get her pregnant. You know what I mean? Like I'm assuming that she's pregnant, but uh, I didn't. I wasn't thinking. I'm. I'll say assuming and predicting uh, if I can make a prediction here. But I wasn't thinking of it in terms of how long it would take for the pregnancy to last versus how many seasons in the show. I, I wasn't thinking about that. Although I'm not sure if it changes my prediction. And also, I think it's a neat thing you were talking about how it might be tough for her to have the child who she has reason to, to loathe, right? The, the result of terribleness. And I, obviously, I think her situation is more terrible than Caitlin's, but it might be a parallel to how Caitlin had a hard time accepting John as a child. You know? That's true. And there's another parallel, which is, this is really obscure, but in the original write-up, for George's plan for Game of Thrones back in 1993. The first book wasn't until 1996, but he had, he, when he was first 
coming up with the idea and writing it, writing the story before it was a, a thing, before it was developed, his initial idea was for Sansa to actually get pregnant by Joffrey and have that conflict. Oh, so yeah. that she would, Joffrey would, Joffrey and Rob were at war, would be at war, and Sansa would be forced with this awful choice because she's going to bring this, this child would be born, was, was going to be born, and she was going to have, be torn between... You know, her own family and her new family, and that was going to be a bit... That was a conflict he had planned, but he obviously scrapped that idea. Well, not obviously scrapped that idea. He delayed that idea. Yeah, he may have some other Possibly. plan for, for that kind of conflict. But, yeah, so we'll see. Maybe there's maybe this is a, a parallel to that somehow. Now, we have someone comments here. One one can carry Sansa. There we go. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> one one Sansa can carry Sansa and Hodor and Henrik. <laughs> yeah, carry them all. <laughs> so let's see what else do we have. Another another comment on that from Dornistan. Theon and Sansa's fall. Is it Thelma and Louise or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. Someone else suggesting, Johan Carlson suggesting that Sansa returns as a white. Yikes. I hope not. She would be one of the better looking whites, but still gruesome. <laughs> maybe not. Way. We don't know what this fall did. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she landed on her face. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, and another comment here that from the shrubberer. Actually, if she is pregnant, having the fall cause a miscarriage would be a, an interesting plot twist. Yeah, that would, that would yeah. certainly um, be more horrific for Sansa. The, hor- the experience would be bad for her. So, but, you know, more, uh, she, I guess she, it wouldn't be, I guess she hasn't suffered enough, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to the next location. Let's, let's talk about the nearby. This is kind of a, these these locations started separately and kind of combined. Stannis' campaign moved south and, and it all got going. Let's talk about the Stannis' campaign. We see the snow melting. This is actually the first scene of the episode. Shot the shots make it obvious that the weather change is very substantial and Melisandre is all smiley and like, look. The Lord of Light has blessed us. It's happening, you know. Like they really go a long way to show the mud is back. There's puddles, you know. They yeah. really again drive adding the point to home. my what are all the snow that sounds is jumping into? What happened? To that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a little that's slightly awkward. But but there where there isn't warmth is from Stannis towards Melisandre, who kind of brushes her off, and she seems you know it's 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 a kind of a foreshadowing what's happening just a few moments later, which is it's it's Melisandre's first taste of of being pushed back on and just a few minutes later we see her actually breaking her confidence she starts to despair like the look on her face you've never seen anything like that from her i thought it was kind of it's it's normal it's a human thing you're like oh melisandre's despondent she's 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 disappointed which is normal but if you think about it She's never been that way before. She's always, she's always just had like complete confidence. Yeah, zealot. She's that that zealot zealot confidence where you know, oh my God, it's making everything right. We're following the path. It's all going to work out. All of a sudden, she's like, "Whoa, this isn't working out at all." Yeah, this is a disaster. <laughs> and then shortly after, she she heads out. She just takes off. What were you surprised by that? A little bit. I, I was a little surprised by it. It was another example of things being kind of rushed, like boom, boom, boom. It really, a lot of stuff happened really quick. Yeah, it was like Solis there. is dead, and then boom, Melisandre's gone, and it's like Stannis's world. Just right, standing right there. Yeah. The... <laughs> Stannis's world crumbling around him. You yeah. really see like everything is gone. He's he's made the. We saw the result of of the burning. We talked about the possible possible impact on morale. It was probably worse than we thought. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. we we weren't sure the sellswords would care that much, but not only did they care, they cared a lot. I will say, though, it's possible that was going to happen anyway. 
It is possible, but you'd think um, that they, if they were going to abandon him, they would have done it sooner. Like they they, they didn't abandon him. Well, well, some of them did. A, a small yeah. group of sellswords left when it was at the that, end. The weather was really bad. <laughs> that might have been like the final straw, you know. But it might have been stewing in them to leave already. Maybe not. But I I, I still wonder about it. It seems like for thousands of men to suddenly need leave in the morning. They didn't just, like, wake up, hey, God, you want to just leave this morning? Okay, yeah, let's go, everybody. You know, there is some planning to make that happen. They didn't suddenly think of that just then. That had to be stewing for a while. It's special because, and this is another thought that I started stewing on, is that it was a little surprising to me that all those troops were riding out. Especially because Roos's plan was, like, to sit it out. We're just going to wait. So suddenly they held all these troops heading out. Same thing, even if Stannis or... Uh, Roos suddenly had intel that all these men had abandoned. You know, maybe they had scouts and reported back or some whatever. Whatever. I'm like, oh, it still seems like it would take a minute to like assemble all that cavalry and head out. But it happened so quick. I wonder if that cavalry was the mercenaries. Yes, that is exact. I was going to say that. If you didn't bring that up, I was going to say that. It it could be that they didn't just leave; they switched sides. Which makes so much sense because they they already their forces are dwindling. It's so they already feel like they're fighting uphill. They're hungry and frustrated. And only doing this for money in the first place. So at some point, they realize, wait, the tides are turning. You know, we, we, let's just say we were going to win this siege before. Now we're down X-Men. If we switch side, if it was close before and we switch side, this time we're close. We're definitely winning, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. I thought, I, I think there's a strong possibility that happened. And that would explain it. So I'm, I'm going to kind of assume that's what happened because otherwise it is a little, a little odd. And if it didn't happen, at least a big question where all these thousands of men going? You're like, they were trapped and starving before when they decided to leave Stannis' camp. Where do they go to get that much food? I mean, I guess they could go back to the wall. Where did they come from in the first place? Even if they could get back to the wall or go back home, if you will, they need food now. They need something now. Winterfell's right there. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I almost can't think of any They're other like, thing. It could it's be. even possible that, that Ramsay <clears throat> spoke with some of them while during his... You know, his yeah. guerrilla assault thing. Yeah. He may have even induced some... So I don't, I, that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I do think it's a little, at least possible, worth considering. Uh, here's a question um, from Andrew Wolf, Good friend of ours. Do you think Melisandre fled because she knows she failed Stannis, or that she realized she's needed a Castle Black to save Jon? Well, she didn't do a good job of saving Jon. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> it's true. She has powers. Or uh, we'll, we'll see how that comes The, the Red God has powers. The Red the God has, has powers, powers, yes. More on John later, but why? But, but just to answer the first part of the question, why Melisandre fled? I don't, I don't know for sure. We were just talking about how she was being presented as, like, stunned and disheartened and confused and disappointed. Like, I wonder if she's, like, doubting her own faith. She might have feared. She might have feared Stannis would take it out on her. If he could kill his own daughter and so on and so on, he'd kill her. That said, it doesn't seem like her to necessarily be afraid for her life. Although maybe she's not so much afraid for her life as for her cause. She's looking at the big picture. But why go to Winterfell? Because I can imagine she's still... I can, I'm trying to imagine her internal dialogue. Which, while I'm talking about this, I want to flash back a little. Because I had this thought when she sees the snow... No, opening scene. She sees the snow melting. She has a little smile on her face. She goes trotting over to talk to Stannis and I, I've forgotten now her line but she says something along the lines of the Lord of Light is you know answer our prayers his fires <laughs> are melting the snow and in my mind it's like she's been waiting she's been waiting all day to say that you know she's like <laughs> you know, saving that up she's so proud of herself to get this line into Stannis and Stannis like ah oh, whatever like, 
charges her out of the way. Oh, and she's like, must have been <laughs> frustrated by that. But still, chin up, follows him, ready, you know, ready to get her next point in to keep the cause going. But, you know, it keeps falling apart, falling apart. And I imagine inside her mind, she saw this vision of Bolton Banner's Bernie. I don't understand. She, she's got to be confused. And maybe to the point of doubt, you know. But even if she's still completely zealous, she's still got to be confused. She's still got to be yes. worried. Uh, or even if before she completely understood or knew or followed or, or believed, she didn't necessarily completely understand. She just kept having confidence. Even though things didn't seem like they were going right, she could like make sense of it and ha- come up with a plan or have confidence in a, a direction. But now she does. She's not sure what to do or how or why. You know, yeah, it's, Even it's, if she still has confidence in her cause or her beliefs, she doesn't have confidence in her course of action. She may need some time to figure things out again. And, but yeah, it's got to hit you pretty hard for her as a, as a thinking of it from a human perspective. She's, if she's realized that she's been wrong all this time or that she was at least wrong about some very important things, that's got to be a big source of comfort just gone from her. And she has to realize, well, I, uh, she has to start questioning things rather than just feeling like everything is right and perfect all the time because she's following her God's path and all that. So, yeah, it's a really uh, interesting for her. Uh, her, her. Her psychology of this whole situation is interesting. Now, a related question we have con- considering the, uh, the idea of the sellswords switching to Bruce Bolton here. We have from listener Phil Schultz. Stannis asks, how many after the report of desertion? Nearly half. All of the swords with all the horses, replied the Baratheon bannerman. My thought is all those mounted swordsmen were, so, ah, swordsmen's. Sellswords were bought by the Boltons. Roos even said, wait for mutiny. So he kind of, he, he may have even foreseen okay. this possibility if he knew Stannis had swords. He may have been thinking the inducements would work very well. The swords aren't going to be loyal men who fight to the death for a king that's just paying them money. They're not bought in for that reason. They're bought in for this reason so those kind of people don't usually fight to the death so yeah that that really does fit nicely we don't have confirmation of it and it's too bad that we didn't see roos at all that episode to confirm or you know have us just to see roos would have been nice we didn't see (laughs) roos at all (laughs) okay next question also related to this area if from nicholas van weinhold if the sellsword stole all the horses, Melisandre, where did Melisandre find hers? Well, presumably they didn't steal literally every horse. Uh, there would be some horse. Most of the, the sellsources. Uh, God, I keep saying sellsources. The sellswords <laughs> had their own horses. Stannis had some of his own. So I think that they would not all be kept in the exact same spot. Of course, a lot of the horses, some of the horses were burned. A couple a horse here and there as a spare. It, I, I don't have a problem with that. You can imagine a few individual personnel, like Stannis, probably just had his own horse at his tent. Yeah. And probably a few other people did, too. And there were probably some sort of range or stable area where there were hundreds or thousands of horses. And so there, there's probably a dozen or something horses left. Yeah. Although, even that, you might question, because Stannis wasn't riding a horse as they approached. <laughs> Although <laughs> yeah. he might have chosen as a leader to be on foot with the rest of the men. Or yeah. maybe horses are carrying equipment or water or something in the back. They certainly know. didn't have many horses if they had a few. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about... The slaughter and the aftermath there. I, I've i seen people complaining a lot this season about Stannis's not showing off his skills as a military commander so much during this campaign. And so, some of those complaints I agree with. However, here at the end, 
I don't have a problem with how ignominious it was and how poorly executed it was from a commander standpoint because let's be honest he the way those the way he had that look in his eye when he saw the the, the horses coming for him and he kind of knew he was just well this is what it is we're gonna all we're gonna die now you know i gotta fight to, you know fight to the death this is my final stand he knew what was coming and he also was desperate he lost everything he he, he made the mistake of burning his daughter i think he had to realize that was a mistake Melisandre rode off. His wife killed herself. He lost most of his army, or, or nearly half of his army. He lost all his horses. He's desperate. He's not thinking straight. So I kind of have sympathy for those decisions, and I kind of understand that from a psychological perspective, Stannis is, well, he's messed up in the head. You know, he's... I think he's going insane. If it maybe yeah. has been going insane for a while and is more so now, like... I don't know if he's like a raving lunatic, but I don't yeah. think he's the man he used to be. I agree. He has certainly gone gone dark, shall we say. I will say I still think... There, here's some thoughts I have. I can imagine, like, even though this seems like desperate or suicidal, he charges forward. He's he's clearly on his path to move forward. I don't care. The, the snow, the winter, I don't care. Let's go anyway. The men are going to desert. I don't care. The horses are dead. I don't care. Half the people, I don't care. Let's go. We're just going to go anyway. This is it. It's like he's punch drunk. All the, everything that's going well, wrong. <laughs> uh, Kiba, uh, add to that, he has or should or might have some sort of faith. Like he just sacrificed his daughter. Something's supposed to happen here, right? It's not out of the realm of this world and his what he's witnessed so far and what he expects from what he's been told and that freaking fire will come out of the sky and rain down in this army it's 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 not crazy or unbelievable in this world in this scenario for some mystical thing to happen to help him win this battle that's true so i can i can see many ways and reasons why he might just keep charging forward and uh maybe not with the same sort of organization or whatever you would expect from a great commander when things are falling apart so much but i do kind of wish especially because it wouldn't have taken extra time or money just a couple lines of dialogue and that moment when he when he kind of like well shit now i guess i'm gonna fight it out to the death or we're overwhelmed i'm gonna lose i got nothing else to live for anyway pulls his sword out i wish he at least could have said archers ready in the left make sure you hold the the you know the the embankment on the right side you men move to the high ground you know i wish he could have got like a couple lines of dialogue as the cavalry approached it, it even could have been like you could have been hearing his voice as we see that kind of above shot of the horses kind of circling around. We could have hearing him bark off orders. It, it, it would at least demonstrate him as a great commander because we've been told several times he's a great commander, but we've never really witnessed it. And this was a chance to, for us to see him be a great commander, and he missed it. And uh, that's my disappointment here. Right on. Here's another question from Coft2009. How do you feel about Salise's turnaround? As a mother, her reaction to Lisa's burning was normal. Normal. Because <laughs> normal, yeah, normal viewing of when other mothers who watch their own child burn. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. But she had been portrayed as a fanatic, a blind follower of the Lord of Light. Was the 180 due to the fact that it was sped up and no time to see her doubt Melisandre? Yeah, sort of. I think so. I don't think so. Okay. I don't have a perspective from the books. However, from watching the show... We'll have to say Solis is a much different character in the show anyway, so it's hard, okay. to, it's hard to say. I feel like in the show, her character has been... It's not that she hasn't been presented as a fanatic, but I think she's been presented as a fanatic on the surface. I think it's subtle, and that's one thing I like about the show. There's a lot of subtlety. 
especially from characters that still may be more obvious and more featured in Cersei, you know. But I still think in Selyse, there's these moments of, like, uncomfortableness and uncertainty in the face of Melisandre where she feels like she's supposed to say or do a certain thing. And she's trying to be a good soldier, but she's questioning herself underneath. And at the point her daughter's being burned in front of her, she, like, busts out of that surface. So the real mother underneath is like, no, wait, stop. I don't care about all this stuff. My daughter, my daughter. And then <laughs> yeah, once yeah. her daughter's dead... She has no more facade to hide behind and just killed herself. To me, it made a lot of sense. Hmm. Okay. Let's see. So we get a brief shot of Ramsey, and he seems to be hes just being Ramsey, you know, being awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder, though, what's next for the Boltons in general? We, Of course, the immediate things are going to happen. Ramsey's going to return home triumphant, but then discover that Miranda's dead, Sansa's gone, and Reek is gone. So... I suspect his elation over his victory will turn to rage pretty quickly, but as far as predicting what he'll do next, ooh, that's a tough one. Any, any thoughts on that? It's interesting because it, part of me almost feels like it doesn't matter what Ramsey does next, it matters what Roos does next. Ru- Ramsey's just a pawn in Roos's game. You know, that's part of how I see it. That said, Ramsey's still a character in the show and is sort of a wild card of a character, so it does matter what he does next. And I feel like one of the main things he'll do is Hunt down Sansa. Like, we've literally seen him hunting women down. <laughs> like, it's a thing he does. <laughs> and she's not that hard. She's not like this super soldier expert woman trained to fight. She's like a girl who knows how to sew, who just jumped off and should be injured and is out in the wide open with no kind of cover or camouflage or support. I'm not sure, but I, I feel like if she should be caught pretty quick and easy by Ramsey. <laughs> Who knows? It, it, it seems like a weird thing to have the show end with them jumping off the edge and then immediately get caught again. But I, I just can't see anything. can't see it being very realistically happening much any other way. But what's Roos going to do next, I wonder, is especially given the state of things back in King's Landing. I'm just king of the north now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to challenge me? Even yeah. if already they're northerners that don't quite accept it. So it doesn't really matter if they accept them as warden of the north or king of the north the king's landing can't do anything about it and it's it stannis couldn't take winterfell with magic and sell swords and everything else who else thinks that they can after their armies have been depleted from fighting with rob you know what i mean like even if they don't like it i don't know if anyone can do anything about it i i, I kind of wonder suppose if bruce is going to just proclaim himself king of the north I have thoughts that maybe that same thing will happen. He's, certainly the circumstances are good with that regard. With the High Sparrow gaining power, that's not good for worshippers of the old gods. And not only that, but there's a weak, there's all this chaos in the South, as well as a, a king who is not exactly a very authoritative ruler, is he? <laughs> and a High Sparrow, I, I don't presume, cares about uniting the seven kingdoms. That's not part of his mission or goal. Well, I would assume he does want to spread the worship of the faith. True, true. But before the Targaryens came, they weren't trying to take over. The, it's not like the faith militant was like assaulting the North, right? The North was its own kingdom. The Seven were uh, uh, in dominance in the South, but not in the North. And that's just the way things were. I mean, maybe he does want the North, but does he also? Maybe he wants Bravos and everywhere other place. You know what I mean? It's it's low on his priorities. He's not going to get there very quick. It's I, I'm I'm sort of supposing Bruce could just do that without much repercussion. Okay, let's talk about Brienne. Okay, so 
Brienne, uh, I, I was a little uh, fortuitous of her here. She's probably one of the only characters in this episode that had sort of a happy ending to the season. It's If you go down the list... Almost everyone ended on just a down note, pretty much. With and the few people who had up notes, like Sam. Well, that's only because he didn't know about John. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. like, "Hey, I'm going to Old Town with Gilly. I get to save her, and you know, we're getting out of this dangerous place." But uh, that's, you know, it's the same with Cersei. She's like, "All right, I got through that ordeal. I got my big, huge undead champion sort of thing now." But she's about to find out her daughter's dead. Yeah. And Bran's like the only one who came out on it even like if you're looking at it from ramsey's point of view he's like yeah hey, i won the battle against stannis but my girlfriend is dead and my wife ran off and my torture pet also ran off <laughs> so it's not even well, even he has something depending on the nature of what like let's say sansa is dead if they want us if they want to be a cliffhanger there's gotta be some chance she's dead well Brienne's not gonna be very happy about that either that's true <laughs> that's very true i've and she but like also, you said that seems pretty unlikely <laughs> yeah but even if she's not dead she still might not be happy to have like lost track of her so she still might feel like she failed her if you will like, she can continue on her mission but some of the other people in these dire straits still can continue on their missions so i guess it's not not as bad if sansa doesn't die for Brienne, but uh but still bad i think by the way i'm gonna throw a prediction out here okay. Stannis is not dead Brand did not kill her. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. We talk about that's a, that's a, one of the most upvoted questions we have here from James Bushell. Several related several people ask similar questions, but this is the one that has the most upvotes. So everyone, sorry to those who wanted to see their name on screen for asking this question, but I guess James Bushell beat you guys to it. They didn't actually show Stannis die on screen. Maybe when he told Brienne, go on, do your duty, that she realized her duty was to save Sansa and she stops mid-swing or maybe hits the tree. Maybe she didn't kill him. What do you guys think? So, well, you've already said your point, but, but you should say your reasons for why you feel that way. A, a number of reasons. One, I, I, I will point out those were appropriate final words. I don't, I don't think they were final words, but would have been appropriate final words for Stannis. Stannis, do go on, duty. do your duty. That yeah. is, yeah, that's a great and last I, words for Stannis. And they might have had more impact than he realized on Brienne specifically. Also, I don't know how much thought or effort they put into it, but I assume they put a lot of thought and effort into how they film these scenes and how they edit them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, pause, 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 trying to watch that transition from her swinging her sword to the next scene of, uh, I forget now who it was swinging their sword. But it just transitioned right from her swinging a sword into someone else's Oh, it was Ramsey. Uh, really, yeah, Ramsey, yeah. Yeah, and it looked to me the angle did not seem appropriate for. I wondered a about. Blow. I wondered about that too. The uh, angle it did was, seem a little. Off. It was her arms should have been a little farther and wrist angle farther down, but it seemed like she was pulling in almost like a baseball like a baseball batter when they start to swing and pull in and their the the wrist curves in and the back comes closer to their body. The sword was like closing in toward her body instead of farther out towards Stannis, and I, she still might have wanted to scare him or punish him or might have decided at the last second but for a million reasons literary reasons included kind of like how i think with uh with um sansa and reek they would just they would just show it if he was dead they would just show it like i th i'm gonna predict john is dead john is dead because they showed it they showed him laying there eyes not blinking blood spilling out behind him they would have just showed that with stannis if stannis was dead hmm. i i'm fairly or confident head or something yes I'm fairly confident for a, a, a myriad of reasons. Some are like how television shows are presented, how this show has been presented, how editing works, uh, what potential storylines can come, 
details of physical positioning in the scene, on and on and on. I'm fairly confident that Stannis is alive. Reek, Sansa are alive. Jon is dead. Those are my current predictions. Okay, well here, I'm glad you think he's alive because it allows us to take up both sides. Because I think he's dead. And here's why. Uh, I don't think that... I, I think you make a few good points, but... Ultimately, it seems like this is the end of his arc. Every he's lost everything. He's lost his family. He's made he's made bad choices, and it just seems like this is a natural conclusion to his storyline. I don't know what else he has to do. I mean, I suppose he could replace John as Lord Commander of the Night's Watch somehow. Somehow those, those things could come and fall into place, and that could happen. So, but that's really the only thing I can see him being. I can't see anything any other direction for him to go. And he's a king. Without an heir, without an army, without a seat, without anything. And he, it seems like that's all he ever wanted to be. So I think he's dead, and that's kind of why. I would be kind of happy to be wrong. So we'll see. But it is a, it is a tough question. A lot, I know a lot of people out there want to see Stannis continue because they like him as a character. I'm one, I like Stannis as a character, too. Although I certainly like him less after burning <laughs> Shireen by a lot, by a wide margin. But I don't like characters because of what they do or don't do. I like them because of how well they fit in the story. I don't like Stannis because I think he'd be fun to hang out with. Heck, I like I like Joffrey. I don't, you know, I don't think he's a good person, but you know, the he's he was a, a great character. His yeah. acting was amazing and uh, he's a compelling villain. You'd love to hate him. It's the same thing with Stannis. He's the not a compelling he villain. Has but, on the plot is intriguing. Yeah. yeah. I really like Stannis, especially I love him in the books. I like him in the show, although I don't think that the showrunners Gave him fair shrift in a lot of ways. Fair shrift? Is that a word? I don't know. It is now. It is now. I made it up. I say so. (laughs) And so I I would be, you know, pleasantly surprised if he's not dead. But, eh, I don't know. I think he's dead. I suppose I I, I do have a follow-up thought. Even if I'm right, she didn't kill him. Yeah. He's still bleeding to death. He's still in the middle of the winter with no help. She would have to help him survive. And so that... That thought, kind of what you're saying, is like, it's in his story arc, what else can he do? If she did help him survive, if they became companions, I'm not sure if that's likely, but that's, I, I, I think you're right, that's the only way he could live, and I'm not sure if they would do that, but that would be interesting. I don't know how that would play out. And I'm also still kind of assuming that Melisandre's correct, that he's the one true king, you know, her, all her visions and everything. Maybe she's wrong. She was doubting herself. Maybe she misinterpreted. Maybe just because she saw the Bolton banners burning doesn't mean Stannis is the one true king. Maybe there's separate predictions. Both Maybe. Bolton's just burner, burners, burning Bolton, burn, Bolton, blah, blah, blah. That, that could happen later. She could right, certainly, yeah. John, she could bring John back to life and he could go attack Winterfell and burn the, the banners. It's an, uh, it leads me to another thought um, that even if her predictions are true, quote unquote true, can they change? Yes. <clears throat> so... Well, I will talk about more of that later. I yeah. Think, uh, well, we have. Are we staying in Winterfell in the north right now? Or do we? Are we going to get to John next? Or no, we're going to go to John. We're going to do John last. Okay. Okay. So one last thing on this topic, because we'll probably come, we'll come back to it if we have time at the end, and especially if some new good questions get asked. But the last question regarding Stannis that we'll do right now from Nicholas Wesley: If the Iron Bank backs Stannis, what will they do now that his claim seems to have fallen apart? That's a good question, but honestly. What can they do? They made an investment. It completely failed. Yeah. Assuming Stannis is dead. And even if he's not, like... He yeah, has, what are they going to do? Yeah. They, they're, usually they will... 
pass those charges on to his heir. Or he doesn't have an heir. You know, there's no Baratheon yeah. contender anywhere. There is not even like a cousin that we know of. Well, there's Gendry. Sorry, Gendry. There's a nephew. <laughs> ostensibly, there's a nephew. Tommen, mm-hmm. ostensibly. Yeah. Could, I mean, they already owe the bank anyway, but and that's why they're kind of after They were backing Stannis but... to overthrow Tommen. Right, I don't right. think they're going to try to... Put Add his debt, yeah. debt to the. Yeah. They might try that, but I don't. You know. <laughs> that's not a very good argument. So I guess they're just screwed. But you know, <laughs> I can't see what else they can do about it. You know, it's not, there's no one they can really take it out on. You know, so. But it is interesting. Well, well, I wonder if they'll have a reaction. If we'll see anything out of them over that. I, I hope they show something. They might need the money from from King's Landing more than ever. Mace might be under <laughs> extra pressure to pony up. <laughs> Okay, well, speaking of King's Landing, let us move on to King's Landing. But before we have a segue question, the very important question from Felicia Amat. What are you drinking today, Sean? Uh, this is a berry juice mixed with the Blue Mountain Dew. I think it's called Voltage. Okay. It's very sweet and it's tasty. It's very purple looking. Now, here's something that a lot of you will appreciate on the, on, the, on the subject of Sean's beverages and his jar drinking. Well, we... Did a secret recording of Sean last night. We wanted to oh, see right. if we had a re- see if to get any reactions worthy of those red redding reaction videos. Well, we may post some clips of that because there were a few funny moments. You 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 you're not like so oh ah, you're not that kind of guy, but you did have some reactions. I think your biggest reactions were to the Marin Trance stuff because that was just so gruesome, which was funny because you're like kind of doing this and then <laughs> you're like covering and then you just take a sip of your drink again. But the most <laughs> prominent thing on the camera was your jar. It was like we we had to be sneaky with the positioning and it's like. When you guys see this, we'll post these clips at some point. You'll see the jar is like the t- at the bottom of the in camera. The, it's the it's, foreground. Yeah, of it's image. like it's very appropriate. It's like, up, oh, Sean in his jar. <laughs> <laughs> Fits perfectly. Okay, so let's talk about King's Landing. Very, very important stuff happening here. Although, based on the questions we're getting, there's less talk, or maybe it's that there's less interest in this storyline, or maybe that's just it was very straightforward and there's less questions regarding it. So, in any case... Cersei's confession, was that surprising that she finally broke, or were you kind of seeing, there's no other way out of this for her? I was a little surprised. I felt like they were leading to it, uh, but I still didn't quite expect it. I kind of thought that she would stick to her guns. Well, she sort of did, though, because she didn't exactly confess the worst things, did she? That's true. That's true. She gave them a lesser confession. The High Sparrow kind of knew. He's like, are you sure that's everything? You know, it's... Perjury before the gods is really bad. She's like, no, nah, it's everything. <laughs> hey, there's still going to be a trial. He didn't, he let her go back to visit her son, but she's not off the hook. <laughs> and I wonder how the trial is going to go. I wonder if it will be fair in any way, you know. Keeping in mind that she really did, do it, even if it's not fair, <laughs> she really did do these th- other things. So kind of like Kyron pointed out that, you know, they're not going to be fair. <laughs> Whether or not you... <laughs> I'll go ahead and believe you, Cersei, but they're not going to be fair. Um, I was a little surprised that, that she confessed. Uh, I thought it was a really powerful scene. I thought it was really uh, got great acting. Uh, from the, the confession there to, to, to the walk back, everything. It was moving. It was tough. I imagine it was difficult to film, too. Yeah, I think so too. They they definitely it was difficult to film, and I agree that this was a, a there's a lot of things to praise about this scene. That was a body double, yet that it was her face. So good oh, really? job on the production. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really seamless, really seamless job there of that. 
Yeah, High Sparrow looked a little creepy. He looked like he was almost enjoying it. Like, like it's kind of a little bit of a hypocritical smile there. It's not something he's supposed to smile about, you know. So that was a little interesting. And the she it, also, I just the way she portrayed her her attitude. You know, she was strong at first, but she started to lose her composure as the crowd got uglier and uglier, and people were getting in her way and throwing stuff on her and then spitting on her. Yeah, it was really well done. It was. It was nasty, but in a, in a way it was supposed to be nasty, you know, that kind of nasty. And that really is, it hit hard. And the fact that no one helped her until Kyburn, you know, put like those guards just stood there yeah. and she just has to like kind of limp past them with her bloody feet. And oof, it was, it was really strong. It was really powerful. And you're right. They had to, they shot it in... I forget what town it was, but they had to shut down the streets, and you know it was it was expensive just because of that. And obviously, they have to have you know a bunch of extras for that to stand in and be the crowd. So yeah, it's not a, not an easy thing to pull off. So very good, kudos for that scene. They did a really good job. I I wonder one thing I was wondering there is how much Cersei might actually be affected by this if she feels any guilt or any. I I wonder if this is like just like building her resolve to get revenge you know what i mean if the whole walk back she's imagining the different ways she's going to kill the supercept you know or if she's like maybe i shouldn't have done these things i maybe i need to have a new look on the people i'm supposed to be ruling you know, how <laughs> how terrible am i for people to think this way of me you know i wonder what what different sorts of emotions and thoughts she was going through there kind of got the feeling at the last moment there when gregor picks her up and she's kind of approaching the foreground the look on her face looked like resolve like this isn't over you know i'm gonna get them good you know but even with that it's still in the back of her mind i wonder how much she might i feel like there's no way you don't change as a person with this but whether or not you just purely go deeper into what you were before or whether or not you come around on some level she's gonna have to face the people again her son's gonna hear of this she, the, the other she's guards gonna hear about Marcella too. That's yeah, gonna, like and the way she is, it's she, the way her the way she the way she her her personality is when she's emotional about something, it spills over into everything. Yeah, yeah, and she's it affects very her impulsive and, all, and angry yeah. and vengeful. But she might not even be able to do anything now. You know what I mean? Like Kevin is back, and he's gonna act as hand of the king. She, I think, at least part of why she wants to talk to Thomas so bad is she can like tell him what he needs to do. But what can she tell him? that will happen that kevin won't do or would i don't know it's it's she's so gonna much blame. to think about overwhelming uh, what's she's, going yeah, on there it's and true she's gonna blame jamie for marcella just like she blamed she blamed him probably for joffrey so. and, so. and jo he, he really had nothing he could do about joffrey like you should have been here well he was there for marcella and so yeah her she's her rage is going to be fearsome to behold and yeah i think that she has the kind of a look of intensity in her eyes when the creepy monster new Kingsguard with the dead face picks her up how monster how, how creepy is that is that guy uh kyber's <laughs> monster by the way i thought the, to me i interpreted that look on high sparrow's face not so much like ha take that cersei which i think would be hypocritical of him i think what he was seeing is the thing he told elena earlier the few don't the the, the many don't fear the few anymore that's to me. That was the accomplishment of this thing that was happening here. Yeah, it's a degradation of the power of this royal family, of this corrupt, murderous royal family. You know. <laughs> okay, it doesn't look like we have a lot of specific questions on the scene. I think it was like we said. It was it, there are 
there is a lot to wonder about this, but it's kind of hard to penetrate because there's so many possibilities, so many ways it can go. I agree with you that Cersei's power has been undermined, not only because of the the presence of other important and powerful people, but also the fact that the whole of the city just looked down on her. Her like in their eyes, how is it possible for her to have this aura of authority when they've all seen her like yeah, that? You yeah. know that? And that's kind of the point of that. It's yeah. to to bring her low. And I'd say that's effective. It's gonna be interesting to see if people how seriously people take her from now on. Will will her authority be less than it was? And I would have to to guess that it will be. By the way, I, a thought that I had about this, this is like a little tangent, but the show Black Mirror, you just, have you seen any of that? A little bit, one episode. The first, the first episode? No, a later one. <laughs> okay. You should watch the first episode of Black Mirror. I, I recommend it. I've only seen a couple episodes of it in general, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the first episode of the show maybe kind of relates to this a little bit. And let me warn you, it's weird. It's different. It's, yeah, I've heard it's, that, yeah. <laughs> very intriguing and enthralling and unusual. Um, and... The first episode happens to maybe have a little uh, bit to relate to this scenario with Cersei here. Okay. All right, so let's move on to Dorne-related topics, since this is where the most painful Cersei's walk will be nothing compared to the pain she's about to face when Jaime comes back. So let's talk about the scenes in general. The, the parentage reveal was kind of a, a good bit of misdirection. The, them having that conversation really was like a really distracting moment that kind of made us forget that something bad was going to happen. I almost thought something bad was going to happen to Jamie. The way the camera kind of pulled back from him, that's often a sign that someone's coming up behind you, you know, something like that. And we knew from a, a spoilery interview from last week that the Sandsanks were going to do something. So I was waiting for something to happen. And of course, I, something happening in Marcella was much more likely. But the way the camera was moving around, I, I, they had me fooled for a minute thinking it was going to be Jamie. Well, now we understand why Alaria turned around so quickly, why she was playing nice so suddenly. Yeah. She wasn't playing nice. She was yeah. just like, ah, I'm going to pretend to be playing nice, but I am going to kill Marcella. Mwahaha. It also does a little to justify that earlier scene, too, with Tyene and Braun are kind of setting up, you know, this poison and antidote yep. and everything. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was... It was a little much just to set that up because some of those other earlier scenes were not the best. But I do think it was... I liked it overall. I mean, I didn't like the Dorn plotline overall the season. It was still the weakest point. But it was better the second the, the second half of the season. It was better than the first half of the season as far as Dorn goes. It did get better. Although, I don't know that it ever got strong. But it does make things interesting. Now, here's a question. Another question from Darren Tucker. This is our most upvoted question of the day. What could Ilaria's plan possibly be? Does she think the famous prisoners or famous poisoners won't be implicated in the poisoning of a princess? And why do it when they have the heir of Doran as a hostage? Is she that hell-bent on starting a war? Doran would execute her. Well, well, these are good questions, and I don't disagree. Tristane is now basically a hostage. They just basically traded Marcella's life for giving up, possibly giving up Tristane's life. Sans, the Sand Snakes and Ilaria are going to be fugitives now. Doran is, has to know who did it. And Doran already said he believes in second chances, but that's all. So this is far going far beyond what they did in the first case anyway. So, yeah, that is rough. It definitely makes me... Uh, I don't want to cut you off. No, go ahead. Yeah, go it ahead. It definitely makes me wonder, uh, again, many times in TV, and it's, I feel like it's happening more in Game of Thrones, they cut off at the moment where 
I most want to know what's going to happen next. <laughs> and yeah. I don't mean next like in the long-term storyline, although I do want to know that also, but in the next few seconds there on that boat, what happens? Who's the captain of that ship? Is it a private merchantman? Is it a Dornish captain? Is the Dornish captain aware of what happened? Like if he, if the Dornish captain finds out, is he going to be like, we need to go back and tell Doran? Or, or is he going to be like, yeah. or is he going to be like, I'm in on Alaria's plan? <laughs> or is Jamie going to be like, we are not going back to Doran. We're going with the prince to my home, and now we. Or is Jamie going to be like, go back right now. I want to get revenge because you. What I don't know where they're going to go in the next thirty seconds on this boat. Much less where the broad plot line of Jamie and Dorn and everything Ilaria's playing. It's almost a small cliffhanger by itself, what yeah. Jamie's going to do with that, with this information, like, <laughs> putting it mildly. Almost anything, I, 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 it adds to another thing that bothered me a little bit. This It started irking me a little bit more and more as I thought about it. I feel like the scene, several of the scenes in Dorn, I feel like are a little too staged. <clears throat> the scene early on when they're like, when Alaria comes up and meets with the sand snakes and they've got the guy buried up to his head and uh, the one with the spear makes her speech. I felt like that was kind of staged. Like, why are they just, like, hanging out in the middle of the desert? There's no water for their horses. They they have the, the captain yeah. of the ship and no one else. He's buried. Why is he even buried? Who dug the hole? Do they have shovels? These girls dug the... Uh, I don't, it's just hard to swallow the whole setup of what was how things got to be in that moment. Same thing. When the Prince of Dorn and his son and Jamie Lannister, the greatest warrior in the kingdom and the brother of the queen of the kingdoms and uh, his daughter or nephew or the princess, like all these hugely key important characters are just out there in a dock by themselves. There's no pomp and circumstance. There's no guards or army or dukes or earls or meisters. No one. There's just the five of them just standing there in the dock. No one from the ship is loading anything up. Everyone's on the ship except just, I don't That's know. just not important stuff to show, though. I, know, I might be nitpicking a little bit, but it makes it harder for me to buy into this scene, this, this world, this scenario. I feel like I'm watching this event that I'm being told is happening. I don't feel like it's really happening in the world. It'd be like if Arya was walking through the streets in Bravos, and there was no one else on the streets except for the merchant. And there was no one else in the streets. It'd be like if Mace and Trant got off the boat without any other guards or any men working on the ships. It's too sparse. It's too empty. I just didn't buy into this scene. And it makes, and this is why I started stewing on it more and more, is because... They've done all the scenes that way. None of them, never, Dorn, there right. haven't been Dornish guards like right. anywhere, except for when Hota showed up with his group to shut everyone down. Yeah. It makes it bother me a little extra because I'm trying to imagine a scenario once the ship sails away and we see, uh, you know, Jamie has a conversation or whatever, but back on the dock, the, the, the Sand Snakes and Ilaria are still there and she starts to bleed and they give her the handkerchief and wipe her lips or whatever, but Doran and Ario, they've left. I'm just trying to imagine that scenario that the, the, in the next few moments, the next one or two or whatever minutes after the boat sails off, is Doran like, all right, everyone, let's go now. Uh, we're just going to stand here for a minute. Well, we got to go get on the horses or the what? No well, I mean, why do they, they wouldn't have to travel together. I don't have a problem with that, why they're staying behind. They just want to watch the ship. That doesn't seem weird to me. For how long? One minute? Twenty minutes? Well, who cares? An hour? Just, as long as they want. As long as they want. They just like, yeah. why, like it doesn't, it's, it's not strange. If, I mean, I don't see what's right, weird fine. about that. So if it's, maybe it's not weird. Would it be weird for Doran to want to stay also? No, that wouldn't be weird. So if he had stayed... <laughs> And all of a sudden, Alaria's blood starts trickling down. 
Then he knows it's a, well. You're yeah, but like, if she stay, if they stay, then she has to be more sub- subtle about it. But he didn't stay, so she has no reason to be subtle. I guess maybe I'm <laughs> nitpicking, but I just feel like it was just I just have a hard time. It, like this person is asking, what could her plan possibly be? How does she think this is going to play out? I just don't. Well, she's bent on revenge. That's the I whole. Guess. That's the whole point. She's 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 passionate about killing, getting revenge. She hasn't thought about it a lot. I think that's the, kind of the point. They they don't care about the consequences. They want revenge. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure. It, I don't know what her end game is. I don't, but I don't think she necessarily has to have an end game because revenge is its own end game. That is the end game. She doesn't care what happens to her. She wants revenge. That's what matters to her. She feels like she can escape. She feels like maybe she can. Once, if if Doran is thrown into a war, Doran's going to have no choice but to care, see that through. And they may be. She may be able to say, look, we're important and we're valuable to helping you win this war. And that's why you need to keep us on your side. Does or Doran maybe to... Doran gets overthrown somehow. Yeah, does Doran have to follow that through? What if he says, we sur- what if Cersei says, you killed my daughter. Now we're at war. And he says, I surrender. I mean, maybe they could execute him. Well, Doran... I think Doran would be willing to die to stop the war. I think if execute me and stop the war. Don't kill all my How people. How would he know that that's going to make that happen, though? <laughs> I don't. I, don't know. I mean, this is Cersei we're talking about. Yeah. This is Cer- This like he he he's not going to trust Cersei, I don't think. So okay, so would he trust Kevin? I don't know. Tommen? I don't know. The High Sparrow? <laughs> I, no, I don't know. Yeah. They don't know each other. He knows Cersei. Yeah. He doesn't know the other two people. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, like you said, here's an, the, this other question. So we don't know what Alaria's plan is, but I think her plan, <laughs> his plan, her plan is that she wants revenge, and that maybe she did, hasn't thought enough about what's going, what what, what the consequences might be. Or what they might not be, but I don't know that she cares. I think that's it's that simple. I think she's she was willing to. That's how intent she was on getting revenge. That she didn't even rush to take the antidote. She wasn't even in a hurry to take the antidote. That's, yeah. that's how intent she was. I, also, it's possible they wanted to see if the ship was turning around. They I wanted suppose, to wait yeah. to see if it would come back or not to see if they'd get out to sea because they know she's going to die relatively quickly. So if you see the ship turning around, they're like, okay, well that means we we, we got to be ready to fight Jamie. <laughs> if it doesn't, then they have that you know that changes their plans. And that's the only way they're going to get any information on that until he goes to King's Landing or unless he turns around. So, yeah, so question from Andrew Wolf again. As soon as Jamie realizes what is happening to Marcella, shouldn't he immediately order the ship to turn around and head back to Sunspear? I think we kind of covered that. No, he might. There, there is a good, like, if he did do that, it would make sense. But him not doing that also makes sense. Because yeah. he reali- if he realizes Marcella's dead, think about this thought process. Doran, now what does Doran do? What is, Doran realizes that no matter what, he's got a war on his hands. He may, he may think that. So if he, Jamie comes back and goes, hey, what's the deal? D- Doran could easily be like, all right, we're in big trouble. The Iron Throne's going to come after us, but seize him. He's our hostage. Now they're not going to come after us because we have Jamie Lannister. Yeah. So he the may, first time. Jamie, <laughs> and Jamie would realize that. So he, he may think he has to leave. So I can see it going either way. Both decisions have problems. Both decisions have makes sense in their own way. So I, I don't think that either decision is bad or that... So I can see it going either way and we'll just have to wait and see because we don't know. It's this kind of a cliffhanger. This is definitely the type of thing that, like I've said before, a lot of times we're doing these podcasts barely 12 hours after uh, yeah. after having seen a show. <laughs> we may have and, a different take on it 12 hours. Yeah, yeah give me another week to, to kind of think deeper about the, the chess moves, you know. <laughs> what'll, who will Side do what next? Moves, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's see. What else do we have from Dorn? Do we have any other Dorn questions, or should we move on? Ah, here's a good question. From Penny Lane, how is Ilaria sure Marcella wasn't going to kiss Tristane? Oh. Well, I'm not sure if the enough of the 
stuff would rub off. She also might not care. If she just wants to get revenge, she might not. She's willing to sacrifice. She are, Tristane's already in huge danger now because of their actions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess they just don't care that much about Tristane, which is maybe a little weird, but... She might even on some level want thing. revenge against Doran, and yeah. that would be revenge on him. If they hate Doran for his passiveness, they might that might reflect on Tristane. Like, well, mm-hmm. Tristane is his son. He's just as weak as Doran. I mean, Tristane is the one that gave Bronn mercy, and, you know, we see that. So, yeah, it's 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 unsure of Tristane's role in all this thing, but it seems like he's not on Team Sand Snake. It seems like he's they don't care what happens to him. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe they just don't care. If he kisses Tristane... Oh, well, Tristane's dead, too. They're willing to have that happen as part of their revenge. Goes to show just how hell-bent they are, which maybe is inconsistent, but... Because this is not an... It, maybe that's... But I do think it's, it's believable. It's not smart, necessarily, but I do think it's believable that people in the real world could be that hell-bent on revenge that they're not that... They don't <coughs> care that much about the consequences. I kind of made points about how Stannis might be making decisions that don't make sense because he's insane. Yeah. Uh, she might be, too. Like, you got to remember, she saw... <laughs> the father of her child's head crushed. I mean, that's like, that's a disturbing thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. even, I wish I hadn't even said that because I don't want to think about that. <laughs> Just in general, seeing that image on TV is disturbing. But imagine seeing it in real life to a person that you loved. It's, I can, I can see how you might stop caring or thinking about other things you should. Mo McDonald asks, what is Tristane going to do now that Marcella is dead? Sheesh. I don't know. I mean, I assume he, he look, it appeared that he was really in love with her. So he's, he's yeah, going to yeah. be pretty upset. But what can what can he actually do? Can he will he help root out the sand snakes? Well, he's gonna know who did it, I think. Yeah, and he's not gonna blame thing, Jamie for that. <laughs> right, that's another thing too. Whatever Jamie wants to do, as far as turn the ship around or not, he might not be able to do what he wants. Tristane might get what he wants. Tristane, Jamie might decide it's better to go to King's Landing with the hostage and not put himself in danger. And Tristane might decide, no, we're going back in your hostage now, Captain. Turn the ship around. Uh, yeah. I'm in charge here, you know. That's true. That's true. It's it's a it's funny how the ship sailing away is a cliffhanger of sorts. Yeah, I, I didn't think about it so much till we've been talking about it here. But whether or not that ship turns around or not is a a big a big moment in the it's, show. It's, and it's not just for Jamie. Yeah, it's Tristane as well. There's two two uh, decision makers in that in there. And yeah, you're right. The ship captain may totally obey the Prince of Dorn or the heir to Dorn over yeah. Jamie. It could definitely happen. We have no idea who the the captain is. <laughs> Okay, let's. I think we're ready to move on to the next scene, which we're going to talk about Bravos. But first, shout out to our first ever Patreon sellsword captain, Peter Blaze of Emerald Isle, captain of the Werewood Wanderers, whose motto is to long lives, quick deaths, cold beer, and warm women. You can get a fun nickname and your own motto too, if you and other benefits like getting episodes early and access to our scripts and other fun things like that. Go to www.patreon.com slash history of Westeros for more info. Also, a question from Tom Ryder. Hey Aziz, will your beard ever become as legendary? Now why do you gotta make fun of me like that, man? You know my beard's never gonna get that legendary. Come on, that's not possible, so mm. I'll just be, I'll just be, call me a Zizel Halfbeard, because I just, I can't get that. I just, I just never, I'm just never going to live up to that. You got to start drinking from a jar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's go to Bravos. Arya wearing the face of the girl she gave the gift to. That was kind of cool. Somebody, somebody, some attentive listener actually asked that question. Do you think Arya will wear that? And I wish I could dig that up so I could give that person credit for guessing that. But whoever you are, good call. You got that right. 
I did not particularly expect that personally, but it certainly happened. Well, that was brutal, though, wasn't it? Damn, that was possibly the most, ugh, I, the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen on in Game of Thrones, which is saying something. Whoa. But it did kind of set up a parallel. He stabs her, she stabs her eyes, and then later she goes blind herself. Yeah, yeah. Was that a... Like a eye, was like an eye for an eye. It's about as literal <laughs> as it gets, right? Do you think that was her punishment for that, or because they, you know, there was already they already did the life for a life. Only death can pay for life. Your thoughts on this scene in general? Because that is crazy, and there's all the supernatural stuff going on. It's like I don't know what to think. You get this multi faces coming off like tissue paper. It's yeah, like yeah. layer of layer. I'm like. I don't know what the hell's happening here. Just go ahead. Give me your thoughts. When it, and when it got to her, too, that was particularly odd, I think. I, yeah. I, I, don't know, I wasn't sure what that meant, you know? Uh, did it, I, I kind of, in a way, I thought it meant it's like she drank the poison. We're going to go ahead and post up a question here that relates to Susan DeLeon. What was going on with the Jake and Hagar face scene? Was the face upon face upon face a magical hallucination meant to frighten her or real? I, I, <laughs> I'm, I think it was real. But uh, it made me wonder things like whether or not Jaken was the waif in the first place or other way around or if there's even a sort of, if they're like Borg and there's sort of a collective conscience, you know, uh, that none of them are really who they are. Um, I mean, they are no one ostensibly. And if a bunch of different people are no one, it's almost like they're all the same one. Uh, yeah. Arya is definitely not no one. I don't know if that poison is meant to kill her or just punish her the punishment is temporary one way or the other is she still just because they didn't kill her is she still going through training <laughs> <clears throat> like one thought was if they wanted to kill her they would just kill her right they're holding her with the poison mouth open but didn't didn't kill her the, the life for a life that she wasn't supposed to take wasn't answered by killing her so there's some plan to keep her alive uh it would seem right yeah um is the plan to keep her alive and blind? Uh, <laughs> but maybe. I don't know if that's enough to make her be no one. Still, you know, I wonder if she still has it. I wonder if that w is enough. Let's say she didn't get caught, if you will. Let's say she just killed Marin Trent. Mm -hmm. Went back and no one called her on it. No one detected it or they knew and they didn't punish her for it. Would she then abandon her list, forget about Arya and become no one? Would she still have that list? Is she still going through this training to figure out how to kill the other people on her list? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> not sure. Not, uh, it's neat to think about. It was It was definitely a, close to a horror. The, the, that whole sequence was really like yes. violent and dark and scary. and uh, It was horror. Yeah, it was like sitting out of a horror film with all the faces there. And, and then she's crying and, and we hear... You know, no one... Uh, of course, really, she's kind of out of character there. Not, in a, not only in the actress, I mean... No one shouldn't have friends or cry over death like that. So she's mm -hmm. definitely she's even showing more how she's not ready and how mm -hmm. she's not that thing. And and Jaken, again, I'm just calling him Jaken. Don't know who the <laughs> hell he sure is. Just some him. guy. The guy with Jaken's face, the one who's still alive, <laughs> says faces are for no one, not for someone. And just kind of driving the point home that she's not ready, not ready, not ready. And well, it does. It seems like they're. It didn't seem like they were ending on that, like as if, like, oh, you'll never be ready. It says you're still not ready. It was kind of like you're continuing. You're st we have a lot more to teach you. Maybe you need a sharper lesson, something Tywin Lannister would say. <laughs> but I do think that I think that there's that it's a punishment, pretend more likely than anything else, because 
because of the way they worded it like that. They were like, you're not, you're still not ready. You know, they're not, they're acting like she still has a future with them, the, the way it was said. But uh, we'll see, we'll see. Do you have any more thoughts on Bravos or this scene? It doesn't seem like there's a lot to discuss. It's more like a, what's going to happen next? We don't know. This was like this really, like a defining supernatural moment, but it wasn't, it didn't explain anything. It just deepened the mystery. It was like, ooh, this is what we have looked forward to in season six. Oh, wait, she's going to be blind in season six. (laughs) If not permanently blind, I don't know. And it wasn't some normal blind. Her eyes were changing, like going pale and almost like a warging kind of thing, but... Which, I, that was another thought I wondered about. Her wolf is still alive out there somewhere. Yep, right. Nymeria's out there somewhere, uh, yeah. I, uh, I have another thought on this scene, and, and it's more of a, I don't know how to say it, it's a cinematic thought, and I want to compare it to a scene with Danny later, so I've got a note written down to bring it up when we get back to Danny. <laughs> right on. Okay, so let's move on to Marine. We're getting close to Danny. They will go to Marine, and we have to go out to the Dothraki Sea to actually see Danny, but we'll get there. Okay. First of all, first off, I wanted to respond to a question from Tom Red, who says, "Why are you trying to make sense of the sand snakes? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have bothered. I don't know, but someone's got to do it, right?" <laughs> okay, let's see. So let's talk about Marine. Some of this stuff is kind of cool. Some of it maybe feels a little a little bit of a stretch. Grey Worm and Masande leading Marine with Tyrion as the behind-the-scenes power. Does that make sense to you, or is that just? You know, is that too much of a stretch? I'm not. I don't think it's too much of a stretch, but uh, I'm not 100 percent sure what I'm supposed to think in the first place. Uh, I'm. I feel like Danny was having trouble keeping it together. Why are they going to follow these people? Well, that's kind of what I mean. Is I don't know what it means to follow anyone. Like, yeah. uh, can they maintain power? I guess is perhaps right. a better question. Like. What power was Danny maintaining in the first place? Was she collecting taxes? It's not really you made know, clear. It isn't really it, made was clear. Was she yeah. providing food for the poor? Was she cleaning the streets sewage up? What you know? What what exactly was she getting and doing with her power? I'm not sure. And that's one thought I had when they said Tyrion's the only one that has experience leading a city. That's in my mind. That's what I started thinking about. Is like there's probably a lot of stuff you have to do to run a city that a soldier isn't thinking about the logistics of like when crops come in and the someone guards at the gate and how much water is being used and what if it doesn't rain for two weeks and things like that, that Tyrion actually might know some of this daily just logistical issues of the city. But all that stuff, even if you're good at taking care of it, it takes funding, it takes manpower. So do they have the unsullied out there with shovels cleaning the streets up? Or do they have, were there workers before that the slave owners had that now they have new jobs, but they have to be paid? Do they collect taxes to pay? Who goes through the action of actually collecting the taxes? Does Danny have tax collectors? Is that what the unsullied <laughs> do? Go around collecting taxes with their spears and Clearly swords? Clearly not. <laughs> um, so I don't know exactly what she was doing to lead. I don't know exactly what power she had a responsibility she had i'm sure she was collecting taxes there's no like there's no way she would be able to do what she's doing without income and there's also no way that she would that she would tolerate them not paying i mean she's already shown that she's willing to burn them feed them to her dragons and stuff like that they're not going to not pay taxes when there's when they're faced with that so if that's the case i feel like all that Tyrion could do all that she doesn't have to be there 
The unsold are going to be out on the streets with spears collecting taxes, and the taxes will be given to workers that like maintain city operations. And Tyrion will just manage all that. And but and, but will they continue to? But they're still the sons of the harpy. Like that. Like they're not going to stop. That's not going to stop being a problem just because it's now Tyrion instead of Danny. True, but it's not like Danny being there or not being there made the harpies do this or not do that. Maybe they'll be more bold now, but it's harder to be more bold now. A bunch of them are dead. Uh, so I, I'm not saying that Tyrion's going to do everything perfectly or this makes perfect sense. I just don't think it's that big of a stretch. I think that it's that the people who are actually maintaining day-to-day power are the Unsullied, and Grey Worm's in charge of the Unsullied. Does that make sense? And Tyrion is probably going to do a better job at managing the Unsullied's efforts than Danny was because he knows what's taking him. That might even be part of the reason the Harpies are upset because no one's cleaned out the trash in a week and there's sewage, there's shit in the streets and the, <laughs> the horses aren't being taken care of, whatever. And now, if you know what I mean, that, that might give them extra... Of course, they're not going to go into that kind of logistical detail in the show, but I can just see how Tyrion might actually manage the city better than Danny was. He might wield the resources of the Unsullied and attack money better than her and... Whether or not people know or realize it, all they know and realize is there's guys with spears saying, hey, pay your taxes, and the guy who's in charge of that is still there. I think it's fine. I, Miss Sunday even like can interpret between she's probably knows some of the ins and outs of different people in key leadership positions. She can work with Tyrion. I assume there's other counselors and advisors. In fact, a quick tangent. As we lost Davos and Melisandre to Stannis, a new guy was like, we see him advise a couple times. A. I assume there's other characters like that that just aren't featured that are mm-hmm. also kind of helping run the city for Danny. Uh, B, who was that guy? Should we know? Is he a named character? No, he's not important. Just a guy. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. It's not optimal, but not well, and silly. It, and here's why it's particularly, and here's here's something that maybe is silly, but at least explains why they won't have trouble and set things up nicely. As far as just appearing yeah. almost out of nowhere, and I won't, how did he even get in the palace? I definitely do not like the idea of him having a spy network in Marine. I think that's kind of like a, come on. He's too, he's been in King's Landing for all these years. He's no way he set up a spy network in Marine this far away. I just that's just too much for me. I I, I don't believe that. I, I was I, of all the things to complain about, this one was one of my biggest complaints about this episode. As far as just kind of appearing, there was no fanfare, no like how did he get there? He's just there. It's a little too cartoony. Like he's like he's just too good. You know, like how did he do that? Uh, I don't know. So it might be. Uh... There might be a range of spy networks. He might just know one or two key people, and he'll develop that into more now that he's in the city. But he might have known one or two key people that got him. They might even be slavers. That it could are have bad been. Guys. It could have been set up by somebody else, like Illyrio. But Illyrio Pentos is also really, really far from Marine. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's, I find it hard to believe. You have different culture, different language, different other things. It's not setting up a spy network is something that you can't do from a distance. You need hands on. You need to be there to pay the right people to to know who's on your side, who isn't. To read the facial expressions when you tell the lie. Or hear exactly. the lie. Or... Exactly. It just doesn't work. That does not something you can do from a distance like that. So, anyway, it is what it is. I am glad to see Varus, regardless of the circumstances. I'm happy he's back in the fold. I'm curious to see what he's going to do next season, helping Tyrion uh, figure out Marine. Seems like Danny could have used him a little sooner. <laughs> like, right before she flies, yeah. I was like, oh, we could have used you, Varus. <laughs> you're a little late. Glad to have you here, but you're late, buddy. Okay, um, so what do you think about Jorah being alone with Dario? <laughs> There's some implications for... We still have no idea how this grayscale thing's going to play out. But but we might have some... The fact these two guys being together, some jealousy implications. Jorah gave a real dark look to Dario when they were walking away together. He was like this, you know, like... Uh, 
like, uh, I'm well, it, you being a loss being alone together is not going to be good for you, buddy. I I was more intrigued by Dario's comment. We have so much to talk about. I thought that was really interesting. I I almost wonder if Dario knows he has grayscale. It's like a thought. That how how could he possibly know that? He might have just seen it. Might have seen it on his arm. It's covered. He's had. He's had. He's had. I've yeah. looked. He's had these bracers. He's had these uh, greaves covering his forearm. There's. There's pretty much no way. Also, why would he keep that a secret? He wouldn't want Jorah spreading that. Well, it is. It did seem like he wanted to make sure to get him and Jorah away from everyone else. No, you all stay. We're gonna go. Are you talking about Tyrion or Dar- Dario? Dario. Dario wanted ever. I think Dario might know that Jorah has. I don't know. I'm just. It's just a thought that I had. He's like, we've got a lot to talk about, and everyone's like, yeah, let's go. And he's like, no, no, you can't come. No, 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 you can't come. Just us. Just us. I wonder if he wants to get him out of the city and confront him about the grayscale. Maybe other things. Maybe he just wants to be jealous and angry and alpha male. Yeah, but it's just a thought that I had. I don't think that that isn't. I don't think that makes sense to me because I think that if he wants to confront him about the grayscale, he would do it with other people around so that there'd be proof and and stuff. I don't know. It could it could be true though. That doesn't mean it doesn't. That doesn't mean they won't do it. Uh, so this is kind of we've sort of covered this, but from Darren Tucker, how do you think the people of Marine will take being ruled by two eunuchs, a dwarf, and a slave girl of of two of whom are Westerosi? I can't see that going over well. Yeah, well we've. I don't think I think the sons of the harpy aren't going to slow down. I don't think they're going to they're going to stop harassing this current this current regime just because Danny isn't there. They're not going to. They, they still. It's not their the regime they want in power. So I think they're going to keep coming after them without Dario around that might get harder but on the other hand there's Tyrion and Varys who are very cunning and very capable and they might be able to figure that out and Dario didn't take his his soldiers with him that was a little silly wasn't it just two of them going to search for Daenerys and like there's this she flew off and ended up way way away how the hell do they expect just two of them going out there to search come on you need to take a few more dudes with you it's kind of like what you're saying about the lack of fanfare and pomp at, at the docks and dorms. Yeah. just like, where are all the you other people? He needs to lend, send people off in different directions, you know? Scouts, yeah. riders, come back and report to Well, they, they at least said they know what direction the dragon went. They saw that, which is fair, because yeah. dra- you can see the dragon in a di- from a distance flying away quite but a bit. So it went north. All right, yeah, so we narrowed it down is... to 500 square miles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if that. Yeah, it could be way more. So, especially considering where she actually went. The Dothraki Sea is really, 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 really far from Marine. It's very far north from Marine. It's, you know, not just square miles. Like, many hundreds of miles. Probably more than a thousand miles away. So, You're that... assuming that she's in the Dothraki Sea? Well, the Dothraki Khalasar showed up, so yes. I wonder if the Dothraki Khalasar might have been traveling to Marine. They might have heard of her and might have been traveling in that direction. Well, Khalasars do go to Marine from time to time because they sell their slaves there. So that's possible. Yeah. But they might have been going there to sell slaves or might have been going there because they heard they couldn't sell slaves anymore. They might have been going there because they heard about her specifically, wanted to see if it was true or maybe pay some respect to her or maybe challenge her. Or Well, uh, according to their culture, they would be obliged to take her back to do- the Dosh Kelly. That's where, uh, that's yeah. what they're, yeah. So they wouldn't kill her. That's why they didn't just kill her if they knew who she was. But they'd have to be curious, like, who is this? If they didn't know who she was, they must be like, who is this? princessy looking woman that's just standing here by herself <laughs> uh, so yeah it's it's interesting to see what's going to happen with her but I, I they definitely seem to be some sort of recognition of, of, of a sort and they would have heard of her they maybe would have heard mm-hmm. of the, the word would have spread about this 
Khaleesi, who, you know... We're definitely spread. We've seen multiple cities far away, talks of her and different crowds, you know, so... You'd think that would spread to the Dothraki as well. And she came from them in the first place. They were... Yeah. Maybe even Mm -hmm. before she got to Marine, there might have... She already might have been at some sort of legendary status, you know? Yeah. So, we have Drogon kind of injured. That kind of makes sense. He was stabbed up a bit, but... Another way to look at it is this is just lazy teenage dragons just sleeping all day and their piles mm-hmm. of bones, you know how they do. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's trying to get him going. Uh, it was, that was kind of comical, actually. I thought that was kind of neat. But why why did she take her ring off there? Do you have a you know that was weird to me. Uh, I hope it's not. And it's apparently in the behind the episode, it says it was like a breadcrumb. For, it was like yeah. something for her to leave behind for someone to find. I'm like, oh come on. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's right. Wait, look over there. <laughs> if if like, Jorah and Dario find that ring on the ground next season, I'm gonna be I'm gonna do the you'll you'll all hear my eye roll <laughs> from wherever you are. I'll be like you're like the eye rolling heard around the world. What was that roll eye roll? What was that rolling sound I heard just now? Like come on. Especially because if that's the case, don't you think someone in these thousands of writers all around would have seen one the of ring. them yeah, are gonna no. notice the breadcrumbs? Some kids are like, oh look, mommy, I found it. That someone's gonna notice that. Uh, what I really think is more likely is that they'll track down the the trail of this freaking army. You know, yeah. that's what they're gonna find, not some random ring on the ground. <laughs> I I thought another thought I had why it might she might have been trying to remove the valuables from herself to not be, like, attacked for her money or something. Because I, it, I feel like it would have been reasonable for, like, random dude, throw a spear, kill her, take all the gold off her body, and keep riding. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, the <laughs> fact that they stopped and circled around at all... They wouldn't kill her, though. That, me, she's, she's, too, she's an attractive woman. They're going to take her. They're not going to kill her. They would ca- capture her and sell her or something like that. They, yeah. they wouldn't just outright murder her. But that Danny doesn't necessarily know that. Although she, she does know that because she's, she knows the Dothraki. But... It could be if that was her wedding engagement ring to 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 his dar, which I don't know why she'd still be wearing it if that was the case since he's dead. She wouldn't necessarily want he, the Dothraki to see that she had remarried because that's I don't know that might be some bad thing. I don't know. I'm not sure because, like I said, their duty is to take her to the to the crones and have her live the rest of her life out amongst the all the other widows of calls. That's how it's supposed to go. But I imagine Drogon is going to have something to say about that. Maybe. Enough to say, I don't know. I don't think he can take on this whole army. No, he cannot. He cannot. He but it might can. be enough. They might have reverence or fear or respect. for the, he, Just his appearance might be enough. Especially if he like, swoops down and lands right in front of Danny. Danny climbs on. They may be like, all right, let her go. You know, like, yeah. We, I see a comment from Penny Lane here. <laughs> yeah, the Dothraki Sea is really huge. Good thing Danny dropped her ring. Can't miss her now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see I won't be the only one rolling their eyes. Our collective eye roll will be... We'll be in that. We'll be definitely. Hopefully, D and D hear it and realize that that was a dumb thing to do. <laughs> but hopefully, they just don't do that. But it, it seems like it already sounds like that's exactly what they're going to do. So, I'll get some of my eye rolling out of the way now. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's see what else do we have. I think that is all for Danny's plot for now. It's definitely. A, I don't know what to do. I do. I do at least want to say that I'm glad that I caught that. That the the from the ahead of the episode that shot of the mountain there. Uh, I'll give myself a very small one finger pat on the back there for for, get, for guessing that that scene was Danny up on the mountain there. All right, so let us head over to the big and important final scene at the wall. 
there was a brief chat about Valyrian Steel with Sam and John, which is interesting. They talked about it being important and other things Wait, coming out. Sorry to cut you off. I, I wanted to, there's a thing I wanted to point out. Uh, okay, go ahead. Comparing the scene with Arya and the scene um, in... Um, the Dothraki Sea. Yes. Uh, the moment when they're, they're meeting and discussing about what to do. And uh, Jorah and Dario exit. And we're left with Tyrion standing there with Missandei and Grey Worm. And I felt like that scene kind of like hung for a moment. And I kind mm. of appreciated it. It, it. Those characters, things were kind of sinking in. As a viewer, things were kind of sinking in. And I almost expected it to transition to a new scene. For a new conversation to start between them. Especially because that's what I really want. I want to know what they say next. I can't believe that they just continue to stand there silently or just about face and walk off and take a bath. You know, I feel like there's some conversation to be had and I thought we might get it. And it makes me think about the scene earlier with Arya when she was talking to uh, Jake in, in the room with all the faces or whoever it was she was talking to. I feel like almost every single line that was spoken, the scene could have ended. Hmm. If you watch it again, and imagine, every time someone speaks a line, imagine if the scene ends and it cut to something different. It would have been reasonable, would have been on par with the, the type of editing and pacing this show and many shows have. But I'm glad it didn't, because every next line that was spoken, every next action that happened, was intriguing, was interesting, was thought-provoking. Hmm. Hmm. And I feel like there's, they did, what in that scene, what I want to happen in other scenes. They kept the scene going past this big moment, this big revelation, etc., etc. Eventually, they do cut it off, and it is sort of cliffhangery when she's like kind of going blind, what's happening to me, and it kind of ended there. But I feel like there are multiple moments in that scene where it's in line with this show to have cut off, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other times where I wish they didn't. I want to hear the next line. And it makes me wonder when and how and why writers and editors and directors decide to push or cut short a scene. A little bit of a tangent, but it was so clear to me the difference in how the Arya scene kept progressing past these moments, if you will, to the next moment, second after second after second, where another one, where in the one in Marine, it lingered. It lingered for like four or five seconds with no dialogue. The camera just fixed on them. And uh, I don't know, it's just an interesting difference. I almost wonder if it was two different directors filming those different scenes that got edited together in this one episode, but... That's certainly possible. It's, it's, so that's, that's a kind of a thing that's really hard to keep track of uh, in general. So let's see here. But anyway, uh, we were going to... We're moving on to John? Yeah, well, let's answer this other one other question here okay. from, from Minch Forever. What's in the future for Danny? Does she become a slave again or rose some Dothraki? They are supposed to follow powerful people. Is she the stallion who mounts the world? On the other hand, Danny is a former Khaleesi. Do you think we'll see the mother of mountains in Dosh Well, we've sort of addressed that. Uh, that's, I think that's a, the, the, what the Dothraki intend to do. But you're right, they follow strength. And if Danny, they, you know, their, their whole thing is everyone rides horses. You know, that's, that's the, the, the peak of uh, Dothraki's life is being a horse rider and a warrior. If Danny is riding a dragon, which is like, compare a dragon to a horse, that's like the ultimate. That's like super horse. <laughs> Uh, they might actually, they, they don't follow women. They, they're very patriarchal, but they do follow strength, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see their... They also trade slaves. They do also trade slaves. Like, well, as, I don't think the slave trading thing is going to happen because of the, their, the Dosh Kaleen thing. That is, that's like embedded in their culture. They can't make her a slave if they, unless they're going against no, their no, own... No, what I mean is, as a leader, she doesn't want them to trade slaves. 
they might not accept that any more than the she couldn't get the last Kalisar to accept that, and she That's can't true. get Marine to accept that. I don't. They might follow her, but they're not gonna be like, oh yeah, and we'll just let all the slaves go. Yeah, too. it won't be easy. Yeah. But in fact, we'll go help you enforce no slavery in this city you're struggling. With. I don't know if it's gonna work out that that. Uh, Conveniently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's a, that's, a, that's a tough sell. Okay, so let's go to the wall. Uh, as I started to say before we backed up, Sam and John have a talk about Valyrian steel. They want to make sure that, that we all catch that and notice how important it is. And they, they point out that there's not a lot of Valyrian steel blades in, the, in Westeros, though Sam's father does own one of them. So that's interesting. We know Sam is going to go to Old Town. That was one of the few positive things uh, in terms of good news for our characters and he was very happy when john agreed to let him go knowing that gildy would be safer it does sound like sam all the things sam's talking about he says i'm going to learn about tactics and and history and all these things that are going to be useful sounds like he's going to be if, if that goes at all as planned it sounds like he's going to be really important for the like final battle he might also come back or... with a sword too right if yeah, he that would make him even more father at some point yeah yeah a maester with a big badass sword mm -hmm. how cool is that <laughs> so sam uh... and a wife <laughs> well he can't do that a maester on the wall with a girlfriend <laughs> i know he can't do that but he's like they can try to stop me like well he wasn't that wasn't about wife that was about you know having his girl you know so yeah. <laughs> actually getting married no i, I and they might actually get married but i don't know how it, I, i'm not sure how important or relevant this will be in the long term but it, it's it, if sam expects to be a leader to have any kind of respect he can't be doubly vowing off women and have a woman you yeah, know what i mean like true. both as a maestro <laughs> and as a as a brother you're not supposed to and you might find some angle where it's justified but it doesn't mean everyone's just going to be okay with it. And uh, I don't know if that might be another choice Sam has to make, whether to continue down this path as a maestro or a brother or to continue down a path protecting Gilly and her son. Right on. It um, might be important either way, especially if he has the right training and a blade, but he might not necessarily be ex accepted into the, the groups he's trying to lead. One thing I thought was kind of missing from the scene is that Sam and John, they talk about you know telling everybody telling the realm a little bit, or not telling the realm, but him saying what he saw. He's like, I saw all these hundreds, you know, all this huge army and everything. And Sam's like, what are you going to do? He doesn't talk at all about informing, warning the realm. And of course, he doesn't seem to have had a chance to do that before he got stabbed. So it's interesting to see how, not only how news will spread, but how the realm will take it. How they, will they believe it? Whether they'll be like, ah, Snarks and Grumpkins, you know, like Tyrion did. More begging from the north. Those silly guys, they think they need men on the wall. That's their problem. Yeah. So, yeah, it, might, it is their problem. But it might become everyone's problem. And I was sort of assuming those little notes John was reading were people declining to send him troops to the wall. I don't yeah. know if that's the case, but that was my assumption of what he was reading through there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, let's see. Then, before the stabbing, we have Melisandre arriving. So, we still have questions about how her visions can resolve, but that's really just kind of up in the air. It, it's too obscure to guess at, I think, at this point. Although, if you guys have guesses, feel free to send them our way. Some of these things we're going to be covering more in our wrap-up episode. We, as, as we're sort of running out of time here, and there's still a lot of great questions. So, we're gonna, a lot of these questions will get asked and answered again or answered rather at during our wrap-up episode we may even have to do another one i don't know maybe we'll just do some more q a we'll see how it goes 
A lot of the questions that are, some of these questions have a lot of a good, have a lot of upvotes and people want to see them answered. But some of them I think are more appropriate when we take a look at the season as a whole. In other words, one of the highest, one of the highest upvoted questions is what were our high and low points of the season? I'd rather tackle that separately. So we're going to save questions like that. Or like someone's asking if you're going to do any more reading of the series. And that, that, those are good questions for our looking at the season as a whole thing. So, so. I've sworn off reading. I can't even <laughs> read these questions. <laughs> or my own notes. So we will get to those questions, but we're going to try to focus on questions that are more specific to this episode with the time that we have left. But it does seem like we've got more questions to answer, so we will try to do our best at making a couple more episodes on this. We want to focus on book topics during the off season, but if there's if you guys ha- have a lot of questions you want to get answered, well, we're game. We'll we'll get there. We'll do them. So we'll we'll throw in. A, it's not these these episodes don't take as much in terms of preparation as our history episodes. So we can do both. We can continue with making history episodes, going out with the occasional Q and A episode for either show or book topics. You guys give us your feedback. We'll come back to you and let you know what we're going to do. We're still kind of figuring some of that out. This is uh, uncharted territory for a lot of us. Uh, because this the show is taking us in such directions that we never thought we'd go. So we just got to play it by ear and go with the flow. All right, so what's next for Melisandre? That's hard. That's a really tough question. Okay, I want to back up real quick. I want to point out sure. another thing. I thought they did a really good job with the effects in a dragon. That, I believe that was a dragon. I think that uh, yes. the, the, the movements and the texture and the interaction with Danny was The way she fell off its well back done. and how it was... Yeah, that was good. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, the CGI, it's kind of funny. The CGI is real up and down sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it's like, that was not so good. But this episode, they did it great. Especially the, the, the Cersei stuff with the body double. And yeah, yeah, it was really good this episode. So it's kind of funny how you never know what to expect. <laughs> uh, Another thing that we had kind of pondered about earlier is... Uh, that was pretty clear here. Brienne was waiting for that candle to light. She was definitely... Like, it still <laughs> yeah. makes me wonder what kind of network of support Sansa has. Yeah. Because uh, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing, I feel like there's... Now that she jumped over the wall, how's she going to escape? There still might be a network of people there to help her. Other people might have seen that lit candle in, in addition to Brienne. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the follow-up thoughts I have with Sansa there. Okay, so... here. We, so guessing what's going to happen with Melisandre is really hard to do. She's had this big change of direction, change of heart. Her world is kind of falling apart. So she, we got how she's going to react to that is a pretty tough question. Davos, however, he has less options. And I think his personality is a little more straightforward. He's lost his, his king. He's lost Shireen. So here's a question. What's next for Davos? Does he take the black? Does he go find Brandon Rickon? I wish we got to see his next interaction with Stannis after learning about Shireen. Yeah, I kind of wish we had seen that too. Uh, and if, Stan, if there's a chance that Stannis is still alive, maybe we will see that. Of course, I'm of the belief that Stannis is dead. So I don't expect that we'll see that. But what do you think about Davos? Any, any predictions for Davos? One, I think what he does will depend on what he finds out. Like He's also got to react to Jon being killed. Like The wall, right, the wall right. itself might get chaotic. I can imagine him taking the black, but I can also imagine him still being you know blaming because right now he doesn't necessarily know that Stannis did it remember my thought in the first place was it Solis and Shireen uh Solis and Melisandre would just do it behind Stannis's back for all Davos knows right now that's what happened he doesn't yeah. know that that Stannis did it himself so it depends on a lot on what information he gets what he does next I, and I I suppose I could go through all the sort of if thens but I'll do that in the next few days and we're running out of time right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh, I do th- I will say I think John is dead and Melisandre is going to bring him back. 
That's okay. that's a thing I feel confident about. That's like a prediction that I'm making. You think that was set uh, up maybe by the whole Thoros of Mirror thing, bringing yes, back Beric? Yes, I think, and in, in fact, a question I wanted to ask was uh, a couple things. One, I think it was even set up by Bronn. I was thinking that Bronn was going to die. Yeah, we yeah. all thought Bronn all season was going to die. Distracts us yeah. from thinking that John is going to die. Because yeah. looking back, there were a lot of clues. There was a lot of uncomfortable stares between John and other Night's Watch. Ollie, And Ollie yeah. never really got one over. Like, I feel like, looking back, like, yeah, I, I wasn't worried about it. In fact, many times I've just thought John's just safe. Sansa's just safe. Danny's just safe. Tyrion's just safe. These characters just aren't going to die. And you even brought it up in the point of like, well, Eddard Stark was in safe, but that was early in the story. Now these characters have come on so deep, long. Yeah, yeah but yeah, well. They... In a way, I gotcha. still think they're going <laughs> to cheat it. I think he's yeah. he's dead, but I think he's going to be brought back by Melisandre. Well, here's here's a time. That... But it kept me from thinking that he would die, you know. Right. But here's an interesting thing that is kind of on the side. It's there's a lot of clues from outside the show, just from interviews and stuff, that Kit Harrington isn't coming back. And if he is coming back, we would know it before the season starts. You can't conceal that. You can't hide right, right. an actor on set like that. Well, not a guy like him. We've got a long time. New clues can come out. Bron wasn't Bran wasn't in the season, but it doesn't mean he's dead. But we knew no, that so. he wouldn't be in the season well before the season started too. True, true. And, and that's a lack of presence. I mean, right. the opposite is even harder to conceal. Uh, that he they could have filmed a bunch of extra this season and have it ready to go <laughs> that's an interesting possibility so it's possible that they have him come back resurrected somehow but with a different actor playing the role maybe he's just a I don't know it's weird yeah. I, I don't know it's interesting possibilities I don't know all the clues outside the show. I imagine there's information about who's been cast or their contracts with HBO whatever whatever yeah aside from that I'm my prediction is, John's dead, but being resurrected. And it might not happen first scene, next episode. It might not happen until last scene, last episode, you know. But it's still my prediction. <laughs> right on. Okay, so what, what did you think of the actual death scene? The, uh, it was, when, it was when, when they It was a good trolling, wasn't it? When Ollie runs in, they shave us that behind the, the episode, in the, in the, yeah. in the uh, previously on Game of Thrones, they, they brought up Sirio, and they brought up Benjen Stark, and neither of those characters were actually in the episode, but you could see how e either of them could be, because, you know, yeah. like, well, we got to find out what happened to Benjen eventually, I guess. And we certainly don't know what happened to Syria. We assume Marin killed him. And that maybe that's why it was being showed. Maybe, maybe he wasn't dead. Maybe he's a, been one of the faceless men. Something they might just lines. be wanting to remind us of Marin Trent, to remind which, us of Arya's list. Which is apparently what, how it was. Yeah. Apparently it was right. But, and it would remind us of Benjamin. Give us a, when they say Benjamin's still alive, we need to know who that is. You know, it's been yeah. seasons since he's been mentioned. So I don't know how many, I don't know how much they try to appeal to people who are just now tuning in and don't have all the background. I assume a certain effort in writing and editing tries to account for new viewers that don't have everything. They want to fill them in a little bit. It was definitely, you know, got us. It got me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a well-done scene, too. I mean, I, I thought, that, like, they, they kind of tricked him, and he comes in this traitor, you know, with his, with his own grave, you know, his own gravestone there. Basically. Even at that moment, I didn't expect him to get killed. I expect him to be, like, kicked out of Lord Commander position. Mm. Maybe kicked off the watch, you know, maybe even beaten. But I didn't expect him to just get the Julius Caesar Julius treatment. Caesar style. At everyone two, in Ollie. Ollie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I had another minor thought there. I was, in my mind, it might not work, but I was drawing a parallel between Ollie and Theon. Hmm. Theon kind of turning on the Starks with, with, with tough, un, maybe unfair, but reasons. He has reasons. He's had these other people giving him guidance, people he wants to look up to. You know what I mean? Like, Theon 
was kind of raised by the Starks and feels like he should be loyal to them. But my own family is telling me I should betray them. And Ollie is kind of like taken under the arm of John, but then John's betraying him. These guys are my real family. They understand, you know, I can I could see how Ollie would do that, and, and I kind of draw a parallel to Theon as far as that goes. You know, it seems like such a terrible betrayal that Ollie has made, but he didn't just randomly do it. He didn't flip a coin. He was led to it through all these events. Yeah. Here's a related question. Sean. Did John's stabbing feel like a natural narrative progression? Did the assassins have enough of a reason to do it? What was their particular trigger? If Alistair was so against letting the wildlings through, why let John and them pass in the last episode? Good question from Chris Roberts there. I think it was, but I think it makes sense. I, I, I kind of see what he's saying. I, I do think it was a, a natural narrative progression, and I can see why there would have, could have, should have been moments before then when they did it, but they don't, it's hard to come to terms with this. You know what I mean? Kind of like I feel the same thing about like the, the men abandoning Stannis. Didn't just wake up that morning and decide to do it. It was stewing for a while. And I agree. Uh, I don't know what the exact. It's a, it's a rough thing to was. do, like yeah. especially from someone like someone like Alistair, who's like, as much as he's yeah. kind of a, an asshole, he's pretty honorable about the Night's Watch as an institution. You yeah, know, he so certainly stood, stands the up chain, and, chain of command. And, exactly. And honestly, the trigger might have just been they got drunk. Hey, I know. Yeah, we'll make a sign. Get Ollie to do it. Yeah. That the trigger just could have been they got drunk that night and emotions flared and it came up with a plan and they they might not have even really thought they were gonna do it until the moment came. You know. One thing that they I I like the way this scene was done in general. One thing that is missing though was some of the potential consequences weren't alluded to. First of all, I do think Alistair probably winds up as Lord Commander now. That seems pretty straightforward. But what will the wildlings do? There's a huge wildling army that was basically, and that Tormund is basically in charge, kind of nominally in charge of. Their deal was with John, with the Lord Commander that's friendly to them. Now they have a hostile Lord Commander potentially. Well, what's the hostile Lord Commander going to do with his fifty men? They can't. It's not like they can like. No, go I know. The wildlings that's now. that's the. Uh, I'm saying what will the wildlings do? The wildlings could now. They're like this is why they may they may have shot themselves in the foot by attacking John. Now the wildlings are like, well. You assholes, what, what good are you? We're going to take you out. Like, the Wildlings could attack the Watch. And they're on their side of the wall now. If they wanted to do that, the Watch is screwed. They couldn't possibly yeah. stop them. Yeah, their castles aren't defensible from that side. Do you think the they're vastly are, outnumbered. Do you think the Wildlings are motivated to do that, though? Do you think I don't they know. They might be. They, Some of they them might find, be. They might not even find out. I don't, I don't know. what. I guess there's enough of them. Someone's going to care. Even if only 1% of them care, that's 300 dudes. And those 300 dudes can go take out 50 dudes from yeah. behind the Especially wall. Especially if one of them is that giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If one one cares enough, yeah. And Ghost. What will Ghost do? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they'll kill Ghost. Yeah. So. I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of assuming they're just going to kill Ghost, just like they kill Rob's dog. So, so that's that brings us to this question from Ismist. Does it... Anyone else a little disappointed in Ghost, realizing that he shows up to save Sam and Gilly, but happened to be on lunch break when his best bud is getting shanked? Could mm -hmm. he have at least made a quick snack of Sir Alistair's testicles or Ollie's teary <laughs> cheeks? Well, maybe that's coming. Ghost maybe is... they already killed Ghost. I yeah, think ooh, of that. that would be sad. Yeah. John, you'd think maybe John would have like felt that or something, but maybe, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but... maybe it's coming. Maybe Ghost will charge in and kill Alistair. And... Yeah, we could see something like that happening. That would be... <laughs> it's... It is hard. It is very hard to see. But I think that, you know, the direwolves, as you, as a lot of people know, even people who don't read the books, have probably been told by their book reader friends, the direwolves play a much more prominent role in the books. And that's 
it's understandable that they've had to largely be cut from the show because it's a CGI thing. It's not like you could train real wolves to do these things and stuff. It's, it's hard to work with. They had, they had hours and hours and hours of shooting the scene with Sir Pounce, the cat. That was a hard yeah, scene to shoot. Yeah. And the scene with Lady where Ned finishes her off, even though there's hardly anything to do there. That scene took hours and hours and hours. And those are, I mean, it's just hard to get animals. It's just the nature. It's the same thing with toddlers. Why we were like, that's why Gilly's baby stayed a baby. Cause they didn't want to have to cast some toddler actor and have to work with that. It's a nice little baby, much easier to handle. So uh, those are the kind of shortcuts I can forgive because I, it's just the, the change in it's, it's like, it's like a sacrifice of realism for something that's extremely hard for them to pull off in reality, which is, yeah. I can understand. There's some other payoff that we get. They Because they cut those things short, they have yeah. better budget for some other thing right. elsewhere. And it's it's not like, it doesn't mean it isn't disappointing, but it's understandable. There is, um, oh, <laughs> I'll say I, I have read the first book now. Yeah. And I feel like the wolves were much more present in the first book than the first season. Oh, yeah. However, I think they didn't matter that much. Hmm. Okay, well, well, we'll see. I don't think happens. a lot was lost, you know yeah. what I mean? In fact, if any, that I even thought, again, remember, I saw the show first, so that's where my expectations are coming from when I read the book. But the scene when Tyrion revisits Winterfell and gives the saddle to Bran and all that, yeah. and the wolves kind of stare him down, when I was reading it, I was like, this is really awkward. Why is all this happening? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I felt it was unnecessary and awkward, and I, I'm not sure, but at least in that scenario, I feel like for the most part, the show did at least as good without the wolves being quite as present, you know? It might be worse in the later books. I don't know how everything plays out, but... Okay, well, let's do a couple of questions. Let's do some... Let's back up and handle some questions that we missed and some questions that kind of cover things as a whole. Some, Like I said, some of these as a whole questions we're going to talk about in our wrap-up episode or episodes. Is it sort of getting in that direction? Let's see here. Let me start with this good question. With Marcella and Stannis' deaths, Westeros is left completely without an heir to the throne. Who are possible candidates if something happens to Tommen? Well, I don't think that there are possible candidates. First of all, there is no quote-unquote heir to the throne in a situation like this. Whenever the, th whenever the heir is unclear, whenever it's obscure in any monarchical situation throughout real-world history and Game of Thrones is no difference, when, it's, when there's a question, when it's not clear who's supposed to take the throne, the answer is civil war. That's what the answer is. <laughs> there will be multiple people with roughly equal claims and they'll fight over it. So there is no there is no clear heir right now. Does Kevin have a son? Lancel's his son, but Lancel yeah, has yeah, a, has given off. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so. His only son. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Does Tywin have other brothers? Not living, and none of them had kids. Well, sons, and of course, I, and that's in the books too. So I'm not sure how they're handling it in the show. So I can't really say for sure because yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's in the books. He has three brothers. Maybe the. But they're all yeah, the other. They're, they're, they're and they're all dead. So Kevin's the only one left. Maybe and, the High Sparrow will just appoint somebody. Yeah, <laughs> you would think that's possible. Okay, so another important question here: What happens from Sea Hollow? What happened to Loras and Marjorie? They're just kind of in limbo right now. Their trials are being—they're waiting for. <laughs> yeah, I sort of suppose they'll have similar scenes to Cersei. Yeah, you know, I don't think, it I don't think not, they're going to maybe walk not as the, elaborate or yeah. whatever, but they'll face some sort of punishment. And like the High Sparrow said, there depends on you know everyone's individual situation. Their crimes are be judged based on their crimes and their confessions and all that. And, and it seems like Marjorie's crime is the least. Yeah, all she did was... She doesn't need to be stripped bare and pelted and everything else like that. But, yeah. But Loras may be, you know. They may do uh, something bad to him, yeah. He may just be executed or whipped or something awful like that. Uh, okay. Maybe not confess, too. This is even... Even with confession, there's still atonement and a trial. Like, Cersei went through atonement, still has a trial. 
maybe the trial all happened at once. Maybe the maybe she even had to go through that in order to see her son. And there's not this. Maybe if Marjorie said, "I want to see my husband," maybe she'd have to go through that. But maybe she just waits for the trial. She doesn't have to go through that. But the trial might be something similarly rough. I, I'm quite yeah. interested in what the trial is going to be, what the nature of it will yeah, be. Yeah, King's Landing has really what, changed. <laughs> what witnesses will be called, you know, uh, if it'll be a trial by combat, if that's something that the, the High Sparrow or the Faith Militant would uh, recognize as part of the justice system as a trial yeah, by combat. I yeah. don't know. Do you, can you tell me that without being too which, long or too Which specifically? Do the Seven or the High Sparrow or the Faith Militant recognize that aspect of the Absolutely. judicial trial system, by if you will, trial by combat? Yes, All right, very so, much. Yeah. It, is a, it is, in fact, a tradition of the Seven. It's based in the Seven. Yeah. It, it started off as Seven versus Seven. That's how it used to be done. But that so is, what that's, if Cersei that's, wants to trial by combat and chooses Gregor as her champion? That's yeah, a that's, likelihood that, maybe. Loras could be yeah. his own champion, maybe. You know? Yeah, Loras like, could be his own champion. But who is the highest bro going to pick as champion? Who would they pick? You know, maybe that's maybe just, maybe, maybe that'll be enough. <laughs> maybe they'll pick random person and they'll win the combat and there you win. All right, you're you're innocent. You won your trial, but still. You're not really in control anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, the goal is still accomplished. The punishment's been served. The, the the shift in power has already happened. Even if they get off their trials through trial by combat, it's not necessarily... They're not, like, back in control now. They're just not in prison anymore. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, all the, they have. They're, the The faith certainly is... Yeah, they're in a weird spot with regards to that. But, but they do definitely <laughs> respect the institution of the Kingsguard. The faith is all about... Is because the Kingsguard was even modeled in a way to make it kind of cozy up to the to the seven. There's seven Kingsguard. That was why there's seven. Just you know, that was. Uh, it makes sense. It was done yeah. politically when yeah. it was formed by Aegon the Conqueror's sister wife. She specifically had that in mind. She was like, "We got to make sure this fits in nicely and, and make it kind of holy to protect the king." You know, and so the faith the faith are very much yes. They, they, they see the Kingsguard as a holy institution. So I have another question. I'm I'm worried about time, but I wanted to ask. Because I'm sort of predicting that Melisandre is going to bring John back. And to do that, I wonder if that's just a power she has or the Lord of Light has, if you will. She would say the Lord of Light has power, not her. Or if it's something that might be a result of Shireen's burning. Maybe that will be part of the power, the, the sacrifice. Well, you may you not know? recall, but Melisandre was was floored by Thoros' resurrection. Remember, she was like, sure, this shouldn't she, be possible. Whoa, she was like, this that? should not yeah. be possible. Well, that's kind of my follow-up question is, Thoros did that multiple times. Yeah. I wonder how many times did he do it and how connected it might have been to other events. Well, in the book, he does it six or seven times. Six or seven times. Yeah. And he definitely wasn't sacrificing the blood of a king six or seven times. <laughs> no. <laughs> but Certainly like not. if he did it three times, one for John, one yeah. for Joffrey, one for whatever, you know, I don't know if something might conveniently line up for the times he was resurrected, but... Okay, so here's a related question from Mo McDonald. Why do you think the last shot of John was so focused on his blood? To make it clear he's dead. That's yeah, what I, think. I agree. I think it was to make it clear he's dead, also just for dramatic effect, just because it's like we're saying goodbye to this important character, important beloved character. Maybe some kind of hints or illusions that, you know, the blood of, if he's a Targaryen and it's the blood of a king and da da da. But, yeah. but I still think that scene was definitely meant to show he's dead. I think the extended amount of time with blood flowing and eyes not blinking and chest not moving, he's dead. Yeah, I, I agree. That's what it was for. It was to make it clear because I think some people, there's always people who have hope, like that it was Stannis. The fact that they didn't show Stannis' actual death, just the effect of that, just not showing it, 
you know, assuming he, without, you know, rehashing that debate of whether he's alive or not, just not showing it created a lot of debate. Yeah. With yeah. John, there's a lot less room for debate. Now, yeah. the debate is whether or not he's going to get resurrected or something <laughs> instead of, is he dead? Or like, oh, he's dead, but he might come back. His spirit moves into Ghost. Maybe that's how Ghost will come back with John's vision, you know. Yeah, could be. Uh, okay. vision. <laughs> Let's get a couple more questions in. We're not going to do our credits. We're just going to rush and try to get a couple more questions in. Two of Cersei's kids have been poisoned. Question from Victor Ortiz. Is the same fate destined for Tom? Yeah, I think that's really quite a thing. It's going to make her so much more paranoid. She's already paranoid about these things. And now two of her three children have been poisoned. Like, And that's such a thing to be worried about. Like any drink, any food, anything entering Tom's body, she's going to be like, whoa. So he's choking. Wait, is that just a piece of food down the wrong throat? You know, I can imagine Cersei coughing. going insane too. Like, like, I can imagine she doesn't want to go out in public anymore. Right? That's yeah. reasonable. She doesn't trust her counselors anymore. She's worried her son's going to get poisoned. She might just become, like, sheltered into a room and not talk to anyone or do anything. We, uh, had, we had theorized the possibility of the Sand Snakes going with Tristane to King's Landing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If that had happened, I'd be like, yes, Tommen's getting poisoned. I suppose <laughs> it's not too late for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Like, they might turn the ship around and then well, go was, back to King's Landing. I was thinking ship. they'd be there in an official capacity. Right, right, right. Now right. they would be something else. Because <laughs> they're... Royal family murderers. Okay, so our we'll ask this final question. Even though there were so many other good questions, we just do not have time for more of them. Sorry, folks, if you didn't get your question answered. Try next time during one of our wrap-up episodes. A lot of these questions were more appropriate for that episode. So, again, bring your questions back. A lot of them were really good. So this is the final one. Johannes Petman. Were there any actual winners in this finale? Almost every faction lost something. Even the supposed winners like the Boltons and the Faith lost their most valuable pawns. Like, yeah, pretty much Brienne. Is that it? Is the only person who had, like, a good ending there was Brienne? The Coffin Builders Guild. <laughs> yeah, the Coffin Builders Guild. The White Walkers are still doing great. <laughs> Alistair, maybe? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. If they, not if they pissed off the Wildlings, you know? <laughs> And if, and if the White Walkers are coming for them, then they, you know, that's not looking so good. Either. Like in the long term, some people might be better off or worse off at Ilaria Sand, you know, like if a few people. At least she's feeling good in the in moment. The short as far one as got what do. they wanted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no. The High Sparrow. It doesn't look good for. Yeah, it's, it was a very downer, kind of like doom and gloom kind of mm -hmm. end to the season. But, but it also set up a lot of awesome things, and we can't wait for season six. So that's it for today, folks. We got to run. We'll be back next week with more. Like I said, look for the time and place for the setting for our next Q&A. We'll be doing a lot of it because there's so many, so many more questions. You guys have so many good questions. We can't just leave it here. So until next week, Valar Morgulis. Now that things are so confusing with the end of the TV season, and some of you may be considering reading the books because the show is over for the season, and the weight of a whole other year is like, ah, how do you get more content? Well, check out the books. And the best way to do that if you don't have time is through audible.com. Go to historyofwesteros.com and click on the Audible trial link on the right. You'll get a 30-day free trial from Audible where you can check out their libraries and you get one free download. No commitment necessary. One free book. Pick Game of Thrones. Pick World of Ice and Fire. Pick one of the novellas and see if you like it. You might decide you want to go through the whole series that way. It might be your way to do a reread. It might be your way to break into the, the series in the first place. I highly recommend it. We all have so much fun. It's a, it's a thing you can do over and over. I personally have listened to the books more times than I can count. So do yourself a favor. www.historyofwesteros.com. Link on the right side. And have a good old time. Valar Margolis. <laughs>